for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is February 22nd, 2022, and today's a good one. We've got the guys from the Rise Hunt. We've got Michael Vasquez, Nick Kohili, and Tyler Bentley. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 202. And like I said, I've got the guys from the Rise Hunt. If you guys have not heard anything about these guys, they are a digital show. They are on YouTube and Carbon TV, so go check them out as well. They are Michigan-based in southern Michigan, and uh, these guys decided to make the trip up here to the studio to record and uh, we we get into talking about today a topic that I really didn't know a lot about. Um, so one of their one of their guys, Michael Vasquez, he is part of the Saginaw Indian Chippewa tribe here in my area, and uh, he gets to hunt the tribal land. So we get into talking a lot about that, and it's really cool to to know the inner workings and how that all works. So that's not all we talk about. We talk about a ton of other stuff, but that's part of it as well. So. I want to keep this in short. I know I have a lot of ads, um, not only you know partners with the podcast, but now being teamed up with Waypoint, um, they have ads in my podcast as well. So I want to keep this as short and sweet as I possibly can, but still get the point across and uh, you know promote these products that I believe so so much in. So first and foremost, Helix Broadheads. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm going to say it every week. These guys, they're awesome. They're badass. Uh, they're a uh, fixed blade broadhead. You can get them in 100, 125, and 150. Um, they are only right bevel broadheads. You cannot get the left bevel. It's only right bevel. Um, single bevel broadhead, that is. I had an unbelievable year last year. Everybody knows that follows me. Everybody knows it. And I shot every one of my deer with those heads. So, they are badass. They, I shoot the 125s. I love them so much um, that uh, I'm a believer for life. I really am. I've been wanting to make that switch. Last year, it was just one of those things. I was like, I was shooting mechanicals before. I was like, screw it. I got to do it. I'm going to try it, and I end up having an unbelievable year. I have had some questions from people on social media, and I have kind of addressed those, but one guy asked, how's the blood trail? You know, what to expect with it? Is it you know, like a single bevel broadhead blood trail. Well, in my experiences, uh, with the three that I shot this last season, 
I've never shot any other single bevel broadhead, so I really don't know what that blood trail looks like. Um, two of my deer died within 50 yards. So, and honestly, I didn't really look for a lot of blood. Um, but there is decent blood. The when when I shot, the ones I shot were decent blood. Now, to my knowledge, you're probably not going to get like a mechanical rage two inch cut blood trail. That's kind of what you give up in my experiences with a fixed blade, but you also gain a ton more. So in my eyes, the fixed blade is outweighing the mechanical. I've never had an issue with the mechanical. Um, I nothing bad to say about them. They have their place. So do fixed blades. So I've just had really good luck with them and I really like the helix. So if you guys want to know more about those, call 877-893-7155. That'll, that'll be right to Helix, and you can ask them any question. Literally, they told me if anybody wants to call and they have any questions on how to order, how to, you know, shipping, anything like that, or anything about the product, call that number and ask. Tell them I sent you. So Helix, first and foremost. Next, Novix Tree Stands. Um, I actually just talked to Lou uh, from stealth outdoors. So stealth strips. I just talked to him last week, a whole bunch. He's, he's, I bought a whole bunch of stealth strip from him. I'm going to be doing some sort some content around doing cell strip on my Hilo. Um, but I know that really doesn't promote Novix, I guess, but I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to make this a little different, but, um, the Hilo, I am focusing 100% on that for my setup next year, along with, I'm going to be working in a tree saddle. So, um, the Hilo is, I've said it before, it's just badass. I did all the weights to it. Let me see if I can find them. I weighed everything out the other day, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not on the podcast. I'm starting to kind of geek out a little bit on it. Um, let me see if I can find it. I think I had it in my notes here. But I weighed, I weighed everything out just to see what it was going to be. I have it in my notes. I know I do. Now I can't find it. But I guess... I do know the number that I was at. So with the Hilo, with with running a Hilo and three mini sticks with cableators, okay, and the strap and the seat pad with the stick quiver, the stick quiver that Novix offers, I'm at 13 and a half pounds. I don't know if I could get any lighter than that. And three sticks will get me anywhere from 15 to 17 feet with the eighter. So that's legit. That's that's exactly where I want to be if you're a weight guy and they pack really well. So I guess that's really what I have to say about that as of right now. I don't want it to be redundant each week, but I'm still trying to like hone in that setup and I'm getting really close. I'm going to do a video on it as well for the for the uh, my YouTube channel. So also I put up another hunt on the Fall Podcast YouTube channel. Go check that out. Uh, give it a like, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell notification. That would be greatly appreciated. So if you guys want to know anything more, more about Novix, go to novixoutdoors.com and check them out. Um, yeah, so I guess that's all I have to say about that. I want to get into this interview with these guys because it is kind of a longer one, but it's a really good conversation. So lastly, go to iTunes and Spotify or wherever you download the podcast. Uh, leave a five-star rating and leave a written review. That'd be greatly appreciated. So With that being said, let's get over this interview. Thank you guys very much. And here's the interview with the Rise guys. All right. Welcome back to the Fall Podcast. Another in-studio. I've got a full crew again today. We're going to go around the table. I've got Tyler Bentley, Nick Kohili, a.k.a. Rick Cooley, (laughs) and Michael Vasquez. 
Mitchell will squeeze. Mitchell will squeeze. Taylor Bundy's over there. <laughs> Taylor Bundy and Michael Vasquez. What's up, fellas? What's going on? What's up? You guys decided to make the trip over here in the worst snowstorm of the year. Yeah. It's not too bad up here by you, though. It's only like, no. You guys only got like a couple inches. Yeah. That's what she said. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, these guys made a long right journey. I just drove down the road. That's perfect. You and I are... You're, you're right in... Central Michigan, Mount Pleasant area, and you get you're in Clio and Rick Cooley. You're in Howell. I don't know where you're at. Where? Howell. Howell. Yeah. Howell. Okay, I got you. Ten four. Well, these guys are the three quarters of the Rise Hunt team. Has we anybody seen Alex? <laughs> <laughs> Alex Nadalski. Sorry, buddy. Um, I told these guys to to tell you to come, and I don't know if that got relayed. Snowstorm was the excuse. <laughs> he's got the furthest drive of everyone, so. Does he? Yeah, he's down in Detroit area, isn't he? Somewhere. Yeah, over on I the east Saint side. I think St. Charles or something like that. Oh, okay. Well, Alex, you weren't excluded on purpose by any means. We just, it was just one of those things. It was a last minute thing. I honestly asked Tyler to come up here and Michael, and then Rick Cooley showed up at my house. I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> I haven't seen Rick all season. He just shows up yeah. to a podcast. Oh, we're going to get into Rick's season. Oh I got gosh. some questions for Rick. Noah, thanks, you guys, for coming up and battling the bad roads and coming to the studio. For sure, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, you've been on the podcast a lot. You're probably mm-hmm. the most returned guest just because you have nothing else to do but get on a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Me, so. I heard there was free beer, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but you know, um, Nick, you've been on the podcast. We've done a couple together. Yep. Michael, this is your first one. Yes, it is. Popping the cherry. Yes, we are. What do you feel? How do you feel about it right now? Are you nervous? Not really. No. Liar. What about no, the? I'm, sweat? I'm really I'm not just nervous. Kidding. I'm just I mean, kidding. <laughs> it's it's nothing different than us just sitting around a table and just bullshitting. That's we right. Ju- we just got mics in our face. That's right. What do I do with my hands? What about the pit sweat you got going on? on my <laughs> you seen that? It's hot here. I it's did hot put deodorant in that. <laughs> you know, I, I asked you guys to come up here. I got a couple uh, couple things to kind of keep us on track, but I got really no no uh, format, really. I, I There is a couple things I want to talk about. And first and foremost, I'm going to tell you, talk to Michael. Now... Rick and Tyler have been on the podcast, so I want you to give your little background of your hunting journey to where you're at now, you know, how you grew up hunting and, and what what got you into it. So I went hunting two, maybe three times when I had grown up. My dad was a butcher his whole life, but didn't really care to get into hunting. Went a couple of times. It's actually funny. I moved in with Tyler, I think, in the end of 2012, 2013, right around that time frame. Mm-hmm. And Tyler was actually, I think you were just starting to get back into hunting. You kind of took a break there because motocross and everything. Quitter. And he got back into it. And as he got back into it, I actually went out and purchased my my first compound bow. And Tyler actually showed me the ropes back quite a few years ago now. And kind of just picked everything up off of him. As he grew into a hunter, I kind of, you know, followed a little bit behind and everything. Mm -hmm. But over the last two years, I really dug deep into you know everything into it you know all the way to trail cameras setups you know really learning how the deer funnel properties really looking into um properties and figuring out how they work how the deer are going to pattern and everything mm-hmm. so i really dug deep the last two years went into you know arrow setups bow setups um hunted different properties became mobile so i really 
flourished as a hunter over the last two years. You're definitely like diving headfirst in. If yeah. you're getting mobile, if you're yes. like, yeah. to me, when you think of mobile hunting, getting into arrow setups, like you're diving deep. Like it's For like sure. you're pretty getting wanting to get passionate about it. And I mean, I think what, what year did we go to Ohio that year? Was it 2015, 2016, right around there? Yep, six years ago or something, maybe. I missed the <laughs> 150, 155 inch buck. I saw the footage. Dude, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was heartbreaking. It was horrible. Poor guy. And. I was kind of like down with dirt in Ohio that that trip. Public land though, right? It was, it was, public, it was public land, land yes. And we went down there like a week or two beforehand, set up, you know, stands and everything, and came back home. Ended up going back down and where I had my stand hung and where we had the trail camera. Some I think the actual whole trail camera was stolen. stolen yeah. But there was a huge scrape right there. I hunted for two three days and then the same stand morning same, and night. Yep. Okay. Two, three days, and then next thing you know, the weekend hits, and I go climb up in my stand in the afternoon. There's these two guys off on the left side of the ridge, flannels and blue jeans with, with their firearms. And they're just sitting there. I'm climbing up my stand, and I hear something. What the hell is it's that? It's bow season? I look over. It was bow season. Was it bow season when we were there? Or was it the beginning of shotgun? I don't know. Might, have, have, been, might have been youth or something. I'm maybe. just saying, do we have some poachers that we're, no. uh, we got to go after? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm climbing up my stand. And I see these two guys, and they're whispering, like, what the heck's going on? I whistle over to them, and they look up at me, and they're like, yeah, we're hunting right here. Like, loud as day. We're hunting right here. Okay. So I just climbed down left, and I told Tyler, and I was like, dude, I'm pulling the set out, everything. I'm moving. I'm going to go hunt where you are. And he's like, dude, there's big deer back there. I was like, I know, but I'm just, I'm not going to deal with the locals coming in on the weekend sure. and ruining everything. Went in there to pull the stand and bumped up like a 140-inch buck. <laughs> <laughs> And then we went and set a stand, and I think it was my first sit. I had a 150, 155-inch buck work up the ridge, and freaking, I think he was at 32, 33 yards, and I shot just over his back. <laughs> so, so, okay, that's one of the few times that that actually happens. But I talk about this a lot, and it's, it's, it's the, um, it's the inner inner you or whatever you want to call it. Your I have a name for it. Intuition or Intuition, something. Intuition, whatever. Yeah, you know, gut. it's like you got two guys, you know, talking to you in a tree. Hey, we're hunting here. You got to pull out. So you initially is like, hey, you know, there's gonna be no deer around here. And then you kick up a 140. It's like, yeah. what yeah. if you were just, you know, like George Costanza with Seinfeld. If you guys ever seen Seinfeld when he the episode when he was like, I'm just gonna do the opposite of what I would normally do, and things start like, yeah, coming together for him. It's like. You need to tell yourself, do the opposite. I'd rather, I, you know, want to pull out of here, but just stay. Yeah. You know, why not? And then you kick up. But right. you had this opportunity at this 150, and you blew it because you blew it. I blew I mean, it. Why'd you <laughs> blow it? Buck it, fever? It, it, buck fever, first one. So I got to tell you my perspective <laughs> a little bit on this story. So I set two trees for myself in my set of woods, probably two, three Oh, yours? Did you buy them? <laughs> where i scouted for myself and where mike scouted for himself you know i was like hey did you put him in the gar hole like were there no way I, I put him in the money spot he put me in the money spot clearly but uh no we had pictures of that buck that he shot and missed and he was probably only two three hundred yards away from me i was sitting all day he got walked in on and i'm like dude just come in my woods you know where my other tree is i was going to go to my plan b tree and i said you know it should be my plan a but go right there we're too close but there's big bucks in here we know so you had 150 inch deer on camera and that was your plan b <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm saying the camera was in between in the in between oh, the stands okay, okay. he was just in that we were like two ridges away i i heard two his bow go off when he missed that deer and i knew did you it. hear the fuck 
<laughs> Pretty much. The way the sound, it went off, and then my text just missed a giant. I'm like, you shithead. Well, then I don't remember. Did we go back and hunt that following year, or was it the same year when your watch went off and called the freaking whatever it was, the police or whatever? I, it might have been the end of that trip. Do you know, I don't know if the Apple Watch, if you hold down, there's like a 9-11 thing mm-hmm. on it. Like, like on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. The well, same thing. We're, we got out there to hang a stand or something, and we had a bow. So we ended reason. up hunting for the night. I'm we like, kinda... let's just sit here for an hour on the ground and see what happens, I guess, because we're at the tree. Is this when the deer walks in on you guys? No. And you were like stalking them or something like that? No. Nope. Because I heard that story. No, we'll, get, we'll get to that we're, one. We're sitting in, you know, on the ground just in some downfall. Like, I think I had a bow. Mike didn't have a bow. We just hung a stand. It was weird. I don't know what the hell we were doing at the time, but my watch just goes boop. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? And so I looked down and it was like, you've just contacted 911. I was like, oh no, that's not good. You know, <laughs> it wasn't 25 minutes later. <laughs> Here they come right in the woods. Dude, they, they did is what's crazy. Like you can see the road. We're so high up on this ridge and like probably half mile down. There's this winding road. Someone with a megaphone. <laughs> are you okay up there? I'm like, are you, are kidding, you me? kidding me? That's like, serious. We're, we're fine. You know, I yelled down there. It was weird. To <laughs> Sorry, it was my watch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that. that's actually really good to know. Like oh, if, yeah. if you were back hiking by yourself. Well, and in Ohio, when you get in those hills, you guys know there's no service no, hardly nothing. anywhere. That's you why know? I was amazed it even went off and sent. And then like, it, it did not take long for that dude to get there and to have a megaphone and just that was weird. <laughs> what do you it, think that cop's thinking? What the fuck? These what kids out here, <laughs> two guys over there just thumping it out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, just got weird. Let's get back to yeah. hunting. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's crazy. So you miss a giant, you know, and then what happened then? That kind of put me in the downs. I don't think I really hunted much the rest of that year. I think I might have shot a doe off tribal property yeah. back in Michigan. And then um, I think that was pretty much the end of my season. I kind of wrapped it up early. And then going into the following season, I kind of had, you know, high hopes again. And it's just been kind of a rocky road all the way up until the last couple of years. But it was basically me not really putting the time in, not really thinking. And I was just kind of going in, sitting in the same set every single set, you know, hunting mornings when I shouldn't be, wasn't hunting, you know, evenings when we had those major feeding periods later on in the evenings and just really didn't know what I was doing. What... With this whole process, because you're, when did you say you got back into it? What year? I started hunting big time, 2012, 2013 is when I started getting back so into it. So relatively newer. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, within the last 10 years, what has been, a couple questions. First of all, what's the most light bulb moment you've had as far as like, shit, I can't do that, or I need to do that. Like one of the, the thing that sticks out the most, like, boom, like. It's, it's finally starting to click. The biggest thing that I think I've changed is I would usually think that I need to draw a lot sooner than normal. Like I would see deer come in. I'm like, okay, I got to start getting ready. And I would actually end up getting busted because I was making too much movement too mm-hmm. soon. Wasn't focusing on what the deer was actually doing. Wasn't keeping an eye on where they were looking, what, you know, body language on them and everything. And now I've got to the point where I've realized that, you know, let the deer come in, let them get comfortable especially if you're hunting over food, they're going to come in and hang out. And so that was like the biggest thing for me is I spent a lot of time going draw too soon, making too much movements when I shouldn't be. And I was just, I wasn't patient. Mm -hmm. It's weird to say it because even though you only get like the split second to make a shot, patience is a a big thing in hunting, especially when the deer, yes, especially when they're making their way in. I mean, perfect example is when a couple years ago, when Tyler came up, I think it was, 
2017, 2018 when I missed. Yes, I missed another buck. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that footage too. Oh, that one hurt because I was in the tree. (laughs) I was dead set on shooting the first doe that walked through. Honestly, I was dead set. I was ready to get Mike. Like, I had him like held, like, you're not killing anything. I was just holding him because there was a big buck in there and we knew he was in there. And uh, he's like, let me just shoot a doe. I'm like, no, dude, wait, there's a big buck in here. A couple bucks come out, you know, nice bucks, like Mm -hmm. 80, 70, 80 inch bucks. He's like, oh, here we go. I'm like, dude, there's a big buck in here. Like, they're moving. Just trust me. Dude, just wait. He wanted to kill a 70, 80 inch deer, and you're saying, "Hey, I'm saying, I'm saying, wait," because he had a good one in there. We were watching this probably 120, 123 inch. You know, when we wa- we were watching yeah. him in the field. I'm like, no, there's there, there's good enough buck right here. I'm gonna shoot entire like, bird in the hand, dude. Just wait. Yeah. And I finally waited, but yeah, that was my biggest you know moment to where I really learned of what needed to change is being patient. You know, and I think slowing that moment down, it's difficult. I've talked about it before, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I like talking about it because it's a crucial part of what we do in mm-hmm. in chasing these animals and making sure we're ethical and making sure we're doing our part. So one thing that I've started doing is, and this is no new science or nothing like that, like I invented rattling antlers, nothing like that, <laughs> but... um. It's something I've I've done is where a deer comes in, I'll grab my bow and I'll go through the motions like practice again, just pull it back, Dude. you know, wait for it to stop. Mm-hmm. And then it's like count in your head. One one thousand, two one thousand. How until that deer moves again, okay? That's huge. If you're not if you're not changing that deer's movement by stopping him or you know, how long is that deer actually gonna sit there? Now I know it varies, but if you watch a deer's their mannerisms, how they move, like you can pick up on a like a, you know, a, a kind of a cadence. Like they're walking through a bean field, and it's like okay, draw back. They stop one one thousand, two one thousand. Like you get it, and it helps me, like slow down a little bit. Yeah. I still screw up a lot, but you know <laughs> that's just us. That's just human nature. Yeah. But. yeah, that just reminded me of when you were saying that is like when you get in the stand and you know where your shot opportunities are going to be and drawing your bow mm-hmm. back or even just like, all right, if he's here, I'm going to shoot him this way. If he's here, I'm going to have to move and shoot him this way and just being pre- prepared before the shot. Too. Yeah. You're that's, kind of pre-planning yeah, a little that's, bit. That helps a lot when, you know, it's about to go down. I visualize everything. Like I was just showing you guys the Ohio hunt. Yeah. Um, and how I was having a conversation with my cameraman. That is one thing that when I was hunting with Chris and Casey, we would do, getting in the stand every time. I don't care if it was like a stand we've been to a couple times. It's like, okay, let's go through some scenarios real quick. If this comes here, this is what we're doing. Okay, I can't film them there, yada, yada. What I did with Quentin on that time is there was two spots where a deer would come in, and I told Quentin, I said, if the deer come in here, they're going to, the way the topography is, they had to sit tight to the tree. I said, with my setup, I'm confident I'm going to shoot them in the chest. Because someone filming has to know that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. They ha- you have to be on the same page. Because a lot of people are like, why would he shoot him in the chest? You know what I mean? Well, right. he, the deer came in and you see what happened. Yeah, yeah. Just, so you got to go through those scenarios. You got Even when I get in the stand, it's like, hey, if a deer comes out here and stops, like, right. what do I do? Or if he comes this way, what do I do? And then I always have like a fail safe. Like, if a deer happens to come from the worst spot ever, what am I going to do? Right. Yeah, it's good to think that stuff through for sure. Yeah. 
And I think you learn that type of stuff from failing, like in learning what not to do, like Mike was saying, like yeah. drawing your bow too early or whatever it is. You have to like learn what to do wrong mm-hmm. so you know what to do right. I mean, funny story of drawing bow early. <laughs> <laughs> he told me this. So First time I ever had a, had a deer come in. And I think I was hunting the wife's grandpa's. And we were on the back food plot. And I seen this deer coming in on my left-hand side, probably 60, 70 yards out. I grabbed the bow. First time I've had a deer in front of me, I went full draw. And this deer is 70 <laughs> yards out. I can't, even, full I, draw I like can't even make a shot on this deer. And he's still out in, like, the thick. He's not even in working his way into the food plot yet. Yeah, my arm got tired. And can I you picture Mike off. in a ladder stand? I can. And <laughs> a, a deer at 100 yards and just full draw, just waiting it out, dude. Just so <laughs> instead doing the... Yeah. Like, <laughs> trying to hold on. Faking, like, come on, cover some ground quicker, So it, it's kind of like the thing. Like, remember back when you first started hunting, you always clipped into your bow mm-hmm. as you walked out? Yeah. It was like the thing. Like, as soon as I see a deer, I was drawn. Yeah. <laughs> Bend the limbs back. Yeah. Let's get after it. That's funny. You mentioned tribal ground. I want to transition this a little bit. So you are Native American. Correct. Um, you live on the Saginaw Indian Chip- Saginaw Chippewa Chippewa Indian, Indian tribe, tribe yep. in Mount Pleasant. So you hunt a lot of tribal land. So like, how does that whole process work? Like, can anybody hunt it, or is no. it just you know members and like how does it all work? So it's it's only open to members of the Saginaw Chippewa Indian tribe okay. only. So like for instance, um. I can hunt it. Other tribal members can hunt it. But, like, for instance, like, if your child's not a tribal member, they're not allowed to hunt it. Or, like, members from other tribes, they can't. So, our season is longer. I think this year we opened up September 2nd for youth and elders until, like, the 7th of September. And then it was kind of opened up for everyone. Can you hunt on the 2nd? Like, whenever season opens? Or is that just for youth season? That was just for youth youth and elders. So, last year, it was actually September 2nd for everyone. So, mm-hmm. they kind of changed a little bit every year. We have a conservation committee that kind of gets together and decides on what they're going to do. Two years ago was actually the first year. I think it was two years ago. Two or three years ago was the first year where they made it to where you couldn't even use a, a gun until November 7th. It used to be where September 2nd, you can go out with a rifle. Holy shit. Or a shotgun or a muzzle loader. Yeah, the first couple of years I came up to hunt with Mike, he's like, yeah, I can hunt in September. I'm like, You were Sweet. filming him. You weren't Just hunting. filming. Yeah, and I wasn't hunting. I was just filming. Yeah. But there's dudes out there with guns in September. I was like, oh, shit, man. We got to be careful out here. This is crazy. That's, yeah. There's some big deer probably died. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then last couple of years, they changed it to where you had to wait until November to use a firearm, which was nice because it gave us, you know, bow hunters that strictly bow hunt two months of straight bow hunting. But it's the same thing. Once our gun season opens up, Michigan's season is right behind. So, you know, the woods get flooded. So if you don't have a buck down with your bow by, you know, beginning the middle of November, your, your chances go down quite a bit. So how does, I guess, how many members relatively do you guys have? We're in the thousands. I think we're right around like 3,000. Okay, so I mean, how much ground do you guys have? Is it, does it, I, not everybody's I, hunting, but it's like. Right, right. Is it get overpopulated? No, not really. There, there's uh, the Kirby Farm, 250 acres, actually out out here by you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much the one that gets you know pressured pretty pretty well. Um, and then there's another property, Miller's Pond, that that got pressured pretty good this past year. But um, not a lot of our there's a lot of our properties that no one touches. Really? Um, Is it like a draw system, or do no. you get no? You can hunt whatever tribal ground that is. Yep. Your tribe, you can hunt it. Yep, whatever they have open available for us to hunt, I can go and purchase a tag, 
show my travel membership card, and then I, we get three does, two bucks. One restricted has to have four on each on one side, and the other one. So it's just any, like Michigan law. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and that's the thing. Like the tribe tries to follow a lot of the same laws as state. Only thing that was big that we never did is we never baited or we never did the bait ban. So, so you can still bait. Yes. And then. I guess the other big one is you can hunt early September. So why did they change that as well? Why did they go against the grain for the early September start? Like, and then, you know, the whole state of Michigan has to start October 1st. Right. Like, why did they go against the grain there? I'm not 100% sure on that. I never asked that question. Um, I'm sure there's a, a logic reason behind it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm going to take the benefit of being able to take a, Hell yeah. a you know, fucking <laughs> yeah. velvet. Yeah. I mean, that you know how many big deer be on my wall right now. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're still early season. They're they're yeah. pattern. You can pattern them so so easily. Um, but yeah, we have quite a bit of property. And there's quite a few dedicated hunters in the tribal community that you know hunt every season and go out and put do their homework and you know find bucks that they want to target and they go out and do what they got to do that's cool because you're honestly the first one you know native american that i've talked to that is like that i know of that's a big hunter i know there's more but it's like you know when i talk to you and i've really started to learn a little bit more of like how your guys's system works and how because when you came up and filmed him last year, the year before, and you're like, hey, I'm going to film Michael. It's September 3rd. I'm like, wait, what, what are you doing? Like, is he like on? 11? Is yeah. he a youth hunter? Yeah. Like, what, what are you even doing here? You know? No, bro, he's Indian. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't know that you guys could start hunting that early until yeah. like two years ago. So, and then like our elders. So, if you're, our, we're considered elders. I can't remember if it's 50 or 55. I think it's 50. Um, the elders don't pay for the tags. So you actually, like my dad, my dad gets his deer tags for free. He doesn't have to pay for them. He just shows his elders membership card or like people that are disabled that can't go out and hunt, but they want deer meat. They can actually have someone go shoot for them. I would just have to go in with them, sign the paperwork. The tags are in their name, but I'm the, you know, person that does the shooting for them. Do you guys have any sort of check system? Like when you kill a deer, do you have to go check it in? I have, I have 48 hours to fill out a survey. See, I like that. Me we too. don't have to do that. That needs to be, happen like and, in Michigan. Yeah. I don't really care for the survey, I guess. like I don't want to have to fill anything out. I want it to be an app. Like yeah. I want it to be well, on my you, phone. You do it right on your phone. Oh, you go, well, you, go, you, go. you go right to the website and go into you know, our organizations, go to our conservation, and you click you know, 2021 deer hunting survey. And you basically go in, was this killed on tribal property? What was this taken with? You know, County, you know, buck, doe, how many antlers, everything. And then at the very bottom, there's like an optional comment section of what you would like to see improve the following year. God, see, we need that, dude. That needs to. We need that. We need that. We need one buck. I'm, 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 I don't care who wants to come through this mic and fight me for it, but (laughs) Michigan needs one buck, and we need it. We need Rick Cooley that he he fills both of his. (laughs) We'll get to Rick Cooley. All right, he's next. He's like, no, 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 two tags, please. (laughs) (laughs) Rick wants three. My whole can thing I, is, Mike, is, can I borrow some of yours? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got one more if you want to borrow yeah. it. It's, it's already, you know, <laughs> it's up, but you could use it. Um, we need that bad. I agree. Like, we need a survey because we don't know what our herd is. We don't know what our numbers are. I don't give a shit who you are. I know. And if I would love to have a DNR officer come in here or a biologist and, like, explain to me more and prove me wrong. Like, right. We don't know how many deer died in Michigan. We know how many tags we sold. But we don't know how many died. We don't know how many were male, how many were female, how many. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have no idea. Right. 
We just we just guess, and then we make crazy big decisions off of guesses, in my opinion. Yeah. So after all those surveys are done for all the harvest, what happens with those numbers? Do you guys have meetings? Do you guys have conservation? So like- our con- yep, our conservation committee will get back together at the end of the year. They'll go through the surveys and everything. They kind of use that to implement what the membership wants for for the hunting season, and then. They don't ever release like the numbers, but we could always call and ask, you know, how many doles were taken, how many bucks were taken. They can always give us those numbers. And our conservation committee is completely volunteer. So, like, if I wanted to, I could send in an application letter and everything, you know, letter of interest of wanting to join the committee and everything. And then I think they meet like two times a week and they just kind of talk about like our deer season, our turkey season, our, you know, fishing fishing rights and everything i mean the only thing that's different is like you guys have just your michigan tags my tribal tags are only good for tribal land so to go hunt down at like tyler's or the wife's grandparents or if i wanted to come and hunt with you i would have to buy my michigan tag but you could kill four bucks in michigan true and you can use your michigan tag on tribal land too can no, you no i cannot okay. no. so you can only use tribal on tribal correct okay but you can, he can still kill four bucks mm-hmm. oh See, then, that's why we need one buck. <laughs> and then, like, can I marry into the system? <laughs> blood transplant or something? Right, right, right. Start giving blood out there. Can I can you get tested or something? <laughs> and so, like, you know, Michigan, most people go out and buy their combo. Combo is what, 50, 55 bucks after you pay for your base and everything. Mm-hmm. Ours, I can go and buy one tag for $10. So it's it's a little bit cheaper too because an extra doe tag is what twenty dollars for the state of Michigan. I can't 15 remember or twenty something. Yeah, like Fifteen something twenty. Like so I can just go in and buy like one. But I I used to buy them all. I'd go and pay fifty bucks and get my three does and my two bucks, and I'd only feel like one or two doe tags for the year. So this past year, I went in and bought one buck tag, one doe tag, and I was like, I'm not gonna burn the other you know other four tags. Where's the money? From the tags go, do you know? Money, it goes right back into our planning department that takes care of all of our um, tribal properties. They plant trees every year. They go through and they, you know, add bedding, food, everything for the deer. So they actually come through and do their own land management. So now I know this is a very micro situation in the fact of like how big Michigan is. Mm-hmm. So it'd be really hard, I think, to for the state of Michigan to like... Be like, oh yeah, all those dollars are going to X. Right. You know what I mean? But like, it's really cool to see. Like, you're kind of a hunt club. Yeah. Like you're you're kind of a bigger hunt yeah. club, sharing a lease with a bunch of other people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it's exactly, exactly what you are. Um, and I I want to say we're right around 700 acres total. For roughly probably six or 700 guys to hunt, or guys and women. Probably you right know? Around, there's probably 150, 200 people that end up hunting. Oh, so there's... Buy, buying tags. I don't know if they hunt the whole time. Okay. I mean, so, I know of a handful of people that hunt the full length season. And they're all bow hunters except for one brings out a muzzle loader when gun season opens. And, mm-hmm. I mean, a couple will pull out, pull out rifles. Do you guys... Does the state of Michigan's DNR patrol that, or do you guys have your own DNR? No, we have our own uh, tribal police. Okay, they, so tribal police. Yeah, tribal police is the one that keeps you know tabs on everything and patrols it all. But basically, you know, we go through tribal police if we have anything, and then they get back with the conservation committee, and they kind of figure out how to go from there. Gotcha. 
I, I love it. I mean, I just had... Cool, we man. need a survey, dude. So we cool. need a survey, and we need one buck. Bad. Let's go. Yeah. Now. <laughs> and, like, I had a trail camera stolen. I had a trail camera stolen. My cousin had a stand and a trail camera stolen. Um, my buddy Bobby had trail camera stolen. And so we were able to, you know... I actually had a picture of the guy that stole all the stuff on one of my cameras that he walked by and didn't grab. Oh, really? And so we just report that over to trial police. They went through their whole process with planning department, and I ended up getting my trail camera back, and everyone else got their stuff back too. Oh, nice. So it's even like a smaller group. I mean, if someone steals something on your guys' property or state property, chances are it's long gone. Yeah. So are you getting a lot of trespassers that aren't tribal? Like, do you get a lot of that? you know, that shouldn't be there. We sometimes do it. it and but the funny thing is, is if they're trespassers, there's someone that's actually part of the community. They're just not a member of the tribe. Gotcha. You know, like they're married into someone or, you know, someone's sure. girlfriend or boyfriend, you know? Yep. I gotcha. No, that's, that's interesting though. And that's something I never knew. Like all that stuff that you just said, I, I never knew that. I, I'm going to scream it from a mountaintop. Like I want, <laughs> Yeah, I, I want like some sort of survey. I want some sort of check station that's mandatory for everyone. Right. Because it I I just want our state to be better. Like that's Agreed. all I want. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. We I talked about it on the two hundredth episode I had with my buddies. We were talking about, you know, moving it to one buck. Um we would have better quality deer in, in the first three years, I think, exactly. if we had one buck just in general. You go to one buck, I think in the first three years, you're going to see a drastic jump in quality deer. Instead of seeing maybe four or five 110s, you're going to see four or five 130s, 140s. I really think so. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, because even one of my good friends, Pat Cook, he was sitting right in that seat. We were talking about it, and he shot a buck this year. His first buck was a tweener. You know, he even said, he's like, well, I asked him the question. I said, would you have shot that if you only had one buck tag? He said, no. Nope. And I said, there you go. Like, exactly. There's a lot of people out there like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. You get two right. buck tags, use them. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Use the shit out of them. Yeah. But, and it's like the baiting thing. They ban baiting in Michigan. Understand it. You want to know how many people are still baiting? 100% all of, of them. All of them that still baited because you go to every gas station or every, you know, sporting goods store. Sporting goods store, there's still bait, which I get it. One of my dad's best friends has a, Bait shop. It's a sporting goods store. Wademan, Michigan. Schaefer's Bait, Sporting Goods. Good old Schaefer's. I love that place. You know, he's like a second father to me. But the thing is, those little mom and pop shops sell a lot of bait that keep them alive. Exactly. Yeah, no in doubt. the fall. So part of me is like, if you really want to do the right... I, for baiting, if you want to bait, bait, fine. I'm okay with it. Like, whatever you want to do, I'm not against it. But if the state of Michigan wants to ban baiting... You've got to go from the ground up. Don't allow bait anymore then. You know, don't allow people to sell bait. They're still going to get it. Right. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Pablo Escobar still got cocaine into Michigan. <laughs> right. Not in Michigan, but into the States. I mean, like, you, can drive, still gonna sure. do it. you can drive to any elevator and get corn. For sure. 100%. You know, and 50-pound bag of corn is, what, 11 bucks? You know? Now you need to go to Rosebush Elevator. 625. <laughs> It's right down the road. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was going up to Claire, and then I started. My buddy went to Rosebush. He's like, "Dude, I just got a bunch of corn for six twenty-five for fifty pounds." I'm like, "What?" 
So yeah, I went and bought like 400 pounds of corn. <laughs> Shout out to Rosebush, uh, Michigan. <laughs> woo, woo. What up? But uh, yeah, I keep hearing that they want to actually take our tags and be able to use them statewide. So I don't know when that's going to go into effect. I know it was in the talks what a couple would, years ago. What would the benefits of that be? I, w- I wouldn't have to buy uh, Michigan tags anymore. I could buy my tribal tags oh, and use them anywhere in the state. I see what you're saying. Would they take away your Michigan tags, though, where you couldn't shoot four bucks? You could only shoot two then? I'm pretty sure I'd still be able to get them. Not 100% sure on that, but I'm pretty sure I'd still be so able to get them. So you'd be able to kill four, like, statewide then? Yes. But now this is only four members that live in District 1 of the Saginaw Triple Indian Tribe. So, like, for instance, if I move out of District 1, I no longer have those hunting rights. Really? So, sounds like you're never moving then. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't move. Mike's going to come out and build a house next to me. I'm just going to move into your house. It's big enough there for my go. family of four. There you go. Oh, I saw that story, Jerry, over there. It's plenty enough for me. That's for <laughs> <really> cool. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, we're not the only tribe that does this either. I mean, like Grand Traverse Bay Band up in Traverse City, they have their own their own season. Are they a bigger tribe than? No. No? Mm-mm. No, we are, we are um, one of the largest in Michigan. We're actually the first uh tribal our we're the first native american tribe to actually have a casino hotel we're the first say the casino they're they're the ones with the casino of course they're the biggest well well grand travers (laughs) has a casino too really yes grand travers they have grand grand travers resort you got fire is it grand travers bay resort is that what it is i can't grand travers bay band okay and then you have ltgbb and then you got gun lake gun lake was like a, a branch off of us almost type deal and then you also have the Sioux Tribes. They have the Kuwaitan casinos all through the UP. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're one of the first ones, though, to have the casino right here in Central Michigan. That's cool, though. That That's, you know, to hear the, the I would say, probably the 30,000 foot of the ground workings of what you guys have going on in that. Like, it's cool to see that you have an organization mm-hmm. for, like, you know, the... I'm going to call it deer management. But, right. you know what I mean? You have the conservation management... Um, I'm just gonna go back to the survey. It's badass. Like that just you know made me feel happy. Like right. I want That's that. Cool. Like I want to be I mean, part it, of your hunting club. <laughs> you know, just for that. It's it's nice, and it literally takes like five minutes to fill it out. I know. And if you do it on your phone, I, all of us would do it. Everybody would do it. Yes. My dad is 63. He has an iPhone. He would do it. <laughs> I mean, like Ohio, you got to call it in. No, yeah. now they got the app. Oh, now they do. do. So this year I will call it in. I didn't. I didn't no, know about the app. Yeah, you download the app and you can just do it all on the app now. Really? Now what about Missouri? You got to call anything in there. Nope, you nope, do it all on the app, app too. Missouri's really? great because it's an app, yeah. and you don't physically have to put a tag on Missouri. Unless has, has that changed? No, because the last buck I killed in Missouri was 2017, and I I killed three bucks in Missouri in three years, and I never had to put a tag. No, I never put a tag. We shot three bucks this year. You just tagged them right on your phone. That's awesome. Done deal. You, you, I screenshot the uh, the number that's on there and have it just in case. But and that's the thing. Like I, at first, when I first did, I'm like, that's weird. Like, yeah, it seems if weird. I get pulled over, I'm like, there's no tag on this deer. This is kind of weird. I exactly, feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, kind of right. exactly. So if I get pulled over, like what happens? Well, they can go back in their computer, punch you up, and you can see that your tag is punched like okay. right away. Yeah. So. I mean that's a, I mean I understand like building an app is not cheap and it's not like happen it doesn't happen overnight but I mean we can work towards these things for like, sure come on but, take some of our dollars to conservation that we do fund that 
you know what i mean it's just i mean think about how many hunters buy tags every year and how much money do you spend yourself on tags and you know wow. i mean the dnr is getting hundreds of thousands of dollars just from tags Mm-hmm. And I understand that pays a lot of their salaries. Right. I get that. Conservation officers and public lands and all kinds of stuff yeah. they do. I get it. But, man, like, let's – I don't know. And it's easier for me to sit here on my soapbox and talk bad about it when nobody's right here in front of me. But I do want to talk to someone about it. Like, hey, let's sit down and talk about it. And I want to hear I want to hear it. Like, maybe there's a reason we just truly don't understand. But right now, I don't, well I don't get it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, app would make it ideal for everyone. I mean, everyone goes on their phone. I think of it like a business and you don't know your numbers and you're just operating blindly. That's all I picture. You know what I mean? No project manager. That's right. No, that's cool though, dude. Um, That's, that's sweet to know. Um, I didn't know that information and it's cool that like you're, you're hardcore into it now. You're, you're like, you're one of the dudes. You're, you're the, you're a guy's guy. I feel like I finally fit in. You're one of the bros. (laughs) Finally fit in now. He fits in now. (laughs) always been like sidelining and then i'm kind of in the group <laughs> oh gosh that's, that's awesome. cool so i'm going to transition a little bit i'm going to go to rick cooley over here his name's not rick cooley it's actually nick coheely <laughs> but no, we but like i'm going to call you rick we call him rick I, we like rick better been, everyone probably knows that name more than they actually do know my normal <laughs> one <laughs> you and i we did a podcast about your success was it last year when you did when you killed like 18 bucks Is that <laughs> no 18 I kill, bucks I killed, well, I, I killed two last year and then three the year before yeah i mean not yeah. a big deal he's a damn slayer what happened this year rick that's what I want to get into. What I mean, you, what the hell? Like you didn't even bend the limbs back this year. No, I had my bow in my hand for maybe two seconds this year. I actually picked it up one time, and that was it. One time in Michigan, or yeah, in Michigan, and even still, uh, it was kind of you know it's one of those situations a buck come in and he kind of never really presented that perfect shot. But like it was on my like I bought some property this year, just two acres, and I was kind of hunting out there and. He come in. He was good. Nice, nice, good eight point. And uh, it's kind of all those deals where it's like, man, you know, kill one off my own property it was you know, kind of what I wanted to do, type of thing. But uh, still, I just got too selected this year, and I probably could have made a shot. He come by at like forty five yards, and I just, you know, like just didn't really didn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I just the way it kind of all played out, I just wasn't gonna push the subject. So it's like, in a way, I was kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. I wasn't upset that it didn't come to, you know, didn't happen. But at the same point, too, it's like, man, it would have been kind of cool to kill one. But Kill one on your property. Yeah, it's just, if it would have been a perfect scenario, he would come in 20 yards broadside. Yeah, I probably would have shot him. But Take me through the um, buying process of that property. I didn't realize it was two acres. I thought it was a little bigger than that. Nope, nope. So that made me it. more excited. Now, two <laughs> acres, now you're speaking my Pretty language. Yeah. I like that um so yeah i was kind of like you know i started looking at some properties or whatever my buddy told me about one he's like oh you know it's great great deer hunting area type thing and we pull up the aerial and it's pretty much like a perfect pinch funnel between for when these deer want, end up crossing the road from going to one you know property big ag to so to the south of or so my two acres but you know obviously butts up to a road that runs or runs east and west so to the south of it is my two acres and then there's kind of a, some taller grass back behind it and um then it starts dipping in woods but on the west side of my property is all ag property and then on the north on the north side there's like a swampy area and then bigger ag and all that stuff so the north side of the property there's actually like some really good deer hunt over there like i know a guy who hunts over there he's got some good deer on camera and he killed some good ones type thing so 
it, like it just kind of everything just kind of funneled down for it, like the cover just pinched down right at my right property. to your property. Yeah. What and honestly, I think that's something a lot of people that are trying to buy hunting property don't look into is like not what your property is, but what's around what's it. What's around yeah. it. Yeah. What what makes your property good from the properties around it. Yeah. You I mean, know. Obviously, we all want 200 acres, but... 100%. You know, if I can kill it off of two acres versus 200... I love it. Yeah, you know, I love it. But, um, so anyways, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, the way it built out and everything like that. And the guy the guy I did buy the two acres from, he had some property, you know, that kind of surrounded mine type of thing. So, I was potentially thinking he was willing to sell, to sell more property with it type of thing, but... Um, so my deal was, okay, well, I'm going to buy this two acres and then down the road, I'll end up buying more from them potentially. Um, so that was kind of my game plan coming into it. But when you put cameras out this year for the first time, what pleasantly surprised, good or bad or what? Yeah, it was weird. Like I was, I was putting the cameras out and, you know, cause I've heard so much. I, buddy hunts to the South. He's got, he killed a good deer off the get. And then like, everyone's talked it up so much like i really didn't know that much because i'm not really from the area i'm from like 20 minutes away or so but everyone in the area just talked up that area so much so i'm like expecting i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna have 130 inch deer running around like crazy type of thing i literally had does and a little like slim pitchers not very many at all so i was like shocked on that aspect um but come into season like you know i'd kind of throw some sits out there here and there and i was seeing pretty decent deer i mean early bow season i was seeing pretty decent deer they were bedding pretty much right off the back side of my property so within a hundred yards of my stand and it was all taller grass so i'd see these deer every time i go out but they just weren't there was no rhyme or reason for them really to come close enough type of thing and you know i've seen i saw probably you know 110 let's say 110 115 inch nine point good young two-year-old type thing and he come in past him i was like okay you know early october at that point i'm like Things are just just get better as it goes on once they start actually covering some ground and um, a little bit later on, you know, again I sat again, saw another real good good eight point, which is actually the one that I had the encounter end with later. But you know, it's like I just kind of kept thinking, you know, I was waiting for the you know yep. once these deer get up and move, I'm like it's just gonna get better, get better. But I was seeing a lot more than I was getting pictures up, so cameras really didn't do me any good out there this year. Did you ever see a pattern like here at the one acre? I see a pattern. I see a pattern. The fact of like, I see probably a window of uh, on the on the big end two weeks where bucks will consistently be in a in a bachelor group where they'll come out in the beans and you'll see them, and it's usually in July, mid to late July. Mm-hmm. After that, they're gone. Like they break up, they're gone. I don't see them, and then periodically I'll see like a loner. You know, yeah. one like I had a, I had a bachelor group of seven bucks this year, like d- pretty decent bucks. Yeah. And for two weeks consistently, I could tell you what time they were going to come in the bean field, what trail they were going to come to the bean field on, because I was building the house and I was looking behind the house every night, and I was like, I know. And after those two weeks were over, I'm like, well, where'd they go? You know what I mean? It's, it's it's end of July, end of August, where they should still be hammering beans. The beans are still green. They're not yeah. doing what you would normally do. So I see that pattern. And then come like, I come up with this rule I call like the five-day rule, three to five-day rule. If I have a buck in the 
like later part of September, showing up three to five days before opening day, I know he's going to be here until the 5th of October. It's just what yeah. happens right here. And that's what happened. Like I had a buck, I had my sights on him and a good eight pointer. He's probably 115, 120 inch eight pointer showed up in my five day rule. I'm like, okay, he's going to be here. I hunted him on the first. I saw him hunted him on the second, almost killed him. And then he was gone. And I'm like, shit you know like and then there was a period where they were gone it was like almost like the quote-unquote october lull happened on the 5th of october until the 25th of october because they were just gone so do you see any patterns as far as or did you see any patterns as far as like you know they didn't summer on you because you're so small yeah you know what i mean but there's different pieces or you know, bits and pieces of the season where they're like there. So like for me this year it was first to the fifth. And then it was like the thirtieth of October through the fifth of November. They were there. And then they were gone. Like I had two windows. Yeah, so when I you know, obviously I like I got my primary farm that I hunt at for yep. the most part. So this was just kind of when I was going out there it was just kind of a, my secondary type deal. Just throwing a random hunt here or there. So it's not like I really pounded it hard. But like it really seemed like that first, honestly, that October, I want to say probably the beginning of October to October 15th is really when I had the, the better hunts out there. Except it was all, you know, it's all taller grass back behind me. And there's like one, one spot where it's at, where I'd see the deer pretty much every time. And it's like buck bedding area. It's kind of what it almost seemed like. Cause it's like every time I was out there, I'd see a buck right there mm-hmm. and I'd see him early too, you know? So it's like, they obviously weren't bedding far from it, but it, realistically as the season went on it seemed like it got worse and worse worse and what happened when november came so november came i pretty much i pounded my my primary farm for pretty hard because i you know I, I had a deer out there that i was after um and the kind of the way that my lease kind of lays out is so i hunt there until november 11th and then from November 11th to the 15th, no one hunts, or, or until the 15th. Is that, that the landowner's rule? Yes. To so, kind of, they're young hunters, so yeah, they're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yep. I pretty much, once I mainly only bow hunt out there, and that's it. And um, so once gun season comes around, then they're after it. Um, so it sometime between that 11th and 15th time frame, I, did, I went and did a sit, a morning sit over at my property, just kind of like, all right, all right, things should be ramping up pretty, you know, things, they, the bucks are moving, we know they are. So For sure. So I'll go see what's out there. And, um and i ended up so that morning i was sitting there and i saw there's like there was like a group of six does they were there from the beginning till the end i'd see them pretty much every time i was out there and um i saw them they were off to the east kind of over by like the neighbor's barns for whatever reason they'd like to hang every time i'd see them they'd be over by the barns for some reason and there was like a little spike running around i'm like okay cool you know a little bit later goes on and then i was like you know whatever November deer you know rut crazed right now I cracked the horns together and a little bit later you know it was like a couple minutes later also I hear like a splash in the creek and I'm just like okay like this is at your two acres yeah so there yeah there's a creek on my west edge so I hear a splash in the creek and like I'm like okay you know I don't know you know there's there's a ton of there was a ton of ducks laying in the field on the other side and they kind of flooded out this year and stuff so I was like I don't know maybe it was a duck maybe it's coon who knows you know so after a couple minutes go by, then I catch a glimpse of that buck on the other side of the other side of the creek, working, and you know, it just kind of, it, it just somehow it was right timing type things. You know, I don't know if I pulled that deer from long ways away or whatever. It just so happened that he ended up coming after that rattling sequence. But 
that's you know and that's one of the cool things about small acres to me is that you just never know what's going to show up in the yeah. road. Like, you just have to be there, even though they're so overlooked. They're so overlooked. Five acres and less, to me, is so overlooked. It's like, well, it's flatter than a pancake. There's a whole bunch of dead ash in there. There's no, you know, cover. There's no, like, yeah. ground. I don't care. You sit your ass there in the first seven to ten days of the rut, it's going to be boring as shit. But it's gonna happen. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like my thing is like, or, you know, I was kind of banking on the rut, you know, for there. I was like, I knew it was getting good because, like I said, I know I know a guy who wants across the across the streets in north, and some of the deer that I was hearing that he was got on cameras are were absolute giants for Michigan really? studs. So I was like, okay, well, there's a chance, you know, they might just kind of stroll them down across the road here, but you know, so I was kind of hoping on it. But I mean, realistically, I, I was kind of you know, kind of I was I don't want to say disappointed, but like. I didn't have as much activity as kind of expecting, but on the west side, west side of my property, there was a cornfield, and that cornfield was standing. So I feel like most of the time, them deer were probably skirting around on the other side of the creek along that jack corn for the most part, if they were kind of doing that transition back and forth, which is why I wasn't even really getting pictures of them at all, too. But. So and this is a question for all you guys, too. You know, growing up, hunting season is you know three months long let's call it you know october november december you know to january three four months whatever you want to call it did you ever have this like stigma or this thought where like hunting season because it's october 1st it's supposed to be good no matter what i don't know if you think it's supposed to be good other than it's just you're you've been waiting for that time for and that could be it because (laughs) to me it's like when I started hunting farm country stuff in 2016, it's it, there's windows. It's not all the time. And I think this is probably the same way in like big woods kind of stuff too. But farm country for me is I've really honed in more in on farm country than I've done anything. And there's so many windows. It's like before this year, before two, 2021... If you would have been like, when do you hunt your farm on farm country? When do you hunt the one acre? I would have said October 19th to the 25th, no matter what, bar none. This year, it was a ghost town. Ghost town. You know, this year, it was the 30th through the 1st October. It was the 1st through the 5th of October, and then the 30th of October through the 5th of November, and it was done after that. So there was two windows, roughly 10 days, we'll call it. That was like, that's when you need to make your hay. You well, know what I mean? Was that weather dependent this year, you thinking? So you and I have talked about this a little bit. All my early stuff. Yeah, I'll take another one. I mean, you don't have to jerk my chain. Um, all my early stuff were after rains. I would see a shooter after a rain. Okay. So like, I mean, you and I talked about it a lot just through text, through phone calls. Like, hey, it's raining. We're going to get in the stand. For sure. And they'd show up. It's funny you say that because that's where I had most of my encounters was just after a rain this year. Yeah. And I killed that Illinois deer was right after a rain. Uh, Ohio was after a rain. That deer was, it rained all night for like three days in Ohio. And it stopped at like nine o'clock that morning that I killed him. And then I went in the afternoon and killed him. The Michigan deer was just because he was just after women. I mean, that's what got him an arrow. So, 
Because, I mean, like, you think about it, so two years ago, I mean, I, when I killed killed my buck here, literally it was that first week of October was just, I mean, we had 50-degree 50, 50 weather, which... And it was warm like, this year. Yeah. Like, it was 60s, 70s maybe, early October. It was yeah, warm. right around there. <clears throat> which now, really, it's like, you know, that's not going to be very good, but, yeah, you know, with, with the rain coming in, it made it really good for me. So this year it was, I mean, because we, we, it was warm the first week. Mm-hmm. Second week, we had that cool off. And that's when I had my good encounters in Michigan was when we had that cool off this year. I mean, if you would have asked me, you know, it's like, oh, for, you kind of get stuck within like, oh, the first little bit of October. Yeah, you, there's a chance you might see your buck on his feet type mm-hmm. thing. But then it kind of almost seems like it's more so weather depend that first couple of weeks really is what it boils down to. Tell me this. Close. Yeah, tell me this. Early October, let's call it the first five to seven days in October. Um, are you really weather dependent on how you're going to hunt it? Or is it just going to go sit and see what happens? This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Weather dependent is going to depend on where I sit. So if we get that cold, if we get those good temperatures and everything kind of perfect, and I have the right, everything, you know, everything lays out good, wind direction or anything like that, I will go jump in one of my better spots. Um, versus this year type thing, you know, it's, I really didn't jump, I didn't jump into one of my good spots until that late October timeframe this year, just cause the way everything was laying out. And I did have, you know, I had a good encounter, good encounters that second week when we finally got that cold front, but you know, it was just kind of well out on the limb type of things, you know, well, I'll just go sit here. It's, I call it observation spot because it's on a fence row in the middle, yep. be, you know, in the middle of two, between two woodlots, but I mean, I had corn. I had corn on the one side, so they just come working out of the corn. But yeah, um, and that, the reason why I ask is because there's a lot of guys that don't hunt mornings in October. They don't hunt field edges at all. You know, if it's yeah. not unless it's standing corn, which I go against the grain a little bit. You know what I mean? 100%. I've hunted. The thing is with me, 
I feel like when you talk to a lot of guys and a lot of elite guys, I mean, the Johnny Eberhardts, the, you know, Andy Mays or whoever, the elite guys out there that have killed a lot of good deer, and I'm not saying they're not credible at all, but they have a like, this is when I do it because I do it because of this, and this is where I do it, and they figured it out for them. To me, I'm still trying to figure out what that figuring out is for me. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Like, I don't have that X, Y, and Z yet. Like, I hope I get there, but for me, my learning curve is like, well, that's a standing bean field over there. It's October 10th. I'm going to go in there in the morning. I might blow every deer out of there, but I'm going to see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go in my best spot, but I did that. 2018, I did that on a deer that I was hunting. Um, You know, I went in looking for him, not thinking. I was like, I'm going to go in and kill him. I went in a standing bean field, walked through the bean field early in the morning. I got real early. This was the first day after a cold front hit. Cold front hit on the day. I went the morning after and got in the stand. October 10th, he walked to 32 yards. I rushed my shot, didn't slow the moment, slow the moment down, hit him high shoulder. He lived. He <laughs> so, lived. And until he got hit by a car December 18th, right down the road. Um, so it's just one of those things that's like, you know, as much as it's black and white for everybody that you hear on podcasts or you yeah. hear in articles, it's like everybody wants that black and white answer. It's really not black, it's not and, black white. and white. No. My I- scenario, you and I live, what, eight minutes apart? Not even. It's it's different for you and I. Oh yeah, for sure. You yeah, know that's what I was gonna say. How many times have you heard like people say that you're not gonna kill a mature buck on a field edge unless you know you get lucky every now and then? I feel like mine and your scenarios are pretty similar as far as the farm yep. ground type thing. How often are you diving in those woods versus hunting the field edge? Not a lot. Exactly. I'm yeah. not a lot. I've got a four acre patch and I got a one acre patch, and I don't dive in. I don't have. As far as I dive in, it's about 30 yards. Yep. Yeah. That's it. If that, I mean, you're even scared to do that half the oh, time. Oh, dude, I'm walking on eggshells. Yeah. It's like tiptoeing. Like, I really wish I had a hoverboard right now and right. I could just like <laughs> teleport myself into the stand. Yeah. And that's like a problem with like, so my farm, all the woodlots are for the most part fairly open where you can see hard yards on the ground floor. Same here. And so, they're flatter than a pancake. Yeah. There's no topography change or nothing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, if I go any closer than this field edge, I'm probably blowing that that whole woodlot out. So One thing I did learn from Dan Infault is that I, t- I did a podcast with him talking about uh, hunting farm farmland and farm country bucks. There's a couple things I learned from him. He was talking about bucks a lot of people think that they're going to bet in the timber they bet on the edge Mm -hmm. they bet they bet within five to ten yards off the edge where they can see that i was always thinking yeah they're going to be in the thick stuff no he he's like it doesn't matter they're betting on the edge on the edge how many deer have you bumped up cruising in in the summertime and they're bedded right on the edge of the field yeah just oh shit he's better right there yep and the other thing that really hit home for me was if you're hunting something flat it could be a two-foot little knoll, mm-hmm. Yep, that is a big difference. Yep. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. a topography change. And I'm like, I couldn't even jump my pedal bike off that. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah, like, oh. doesn't matter. Yep. That's, that's a topography change, and that means something. Because he's like, think about it. That could transition to something wet that keeps them dry. They're going to bed there. Yep. And then I've seen it in four acres, and I've seen it in one acre. My farm, there's, crazy. my farm, there's one spot. If I could get it, I could put a stand there, and every deer, or not every deer, but my chances of killing a buck would multiply. But the problem is, 
I can't get into it. Mm-hmm. As you know, because just because of how open the woods are, it's like you know, I'd be walking around the field edge trying to get to into it, and they would see me before I get to it. But if I could have a stand there, because just it's the slightest little bit of a low spot, and they use that little bit of a low spot transition between wood lot to wood lot across the fields. And do you plan on putting a house on it? So this is that was that's at my farm, but the, oh, my, my property, yeah, your two acres, yeah. So you're gonna put like, do you think? When you do put a house on it, do you think you'll still be able to have enough room to... So pretty much by the time it all boils out now is... So I'll have my house, my yard, and then the spot where I tried doing a food plot this year, but I got flooded out from our wet <laughs> fall. There's like... It'd be literally a 40-yard by like 100-yard food plot is really all it would be left of my... For the most part, but over on the west side of it where the creek is, I'm planning on leaving all the, like, that's where the tree cover is. Plan on leaving all that along the, along the creek, which is that kind of that pinch that, for the, that main pinch for the transition across the road. So I do want to leave the cover over there just in case type of thing. Are you going to do any hinge cutting or anything? Try to make it a little thicker? I don't think so. No? Just because there isn't enough trees in there really to, and, or if the, the trees that are in there are already actually pretty mature trees, so... Th- the hinge cutting would be kind of, they're big enough where when you try to hinge cut, they're just going to fall and break that hinge anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so I'll probably just leave that for the most part. And I'm really, can't, you know, really kind of bank on the food plot, giving them a, a reason actually to come, you know, because like I said, most of the time I've seen them deer, I've seen them earlier and within a hard yards, they're betting close. And yeah, that may change when I build the house. Who knows? But, you know. I can, you know, here where I built the house, I'm, I don't know, what am I, 300 yards, 400 yards from the one acre? Yeah, you can see your buck hut, can't you? Yeah, it's almost tipped over. You could literally <laughs> sit on the roof of your house and just hunt. I could, with a gun, I could. But I can see, like, so I've got cameras in my yard. So if you're trying to steal shit from me, I got cameras. <laughs> but I got cameras in the yard and numerous times. I got I got deer on my cement apron into my garage like i'm like thinking before i built this there was a house here there was an old farmhouse here and i would mow the lawn because i just didn't never wanted to grow up or nothing i'd mow the lawn well there was two patches of autumn olive bushes and if nobody knows what autumn olive bushes are they're just shit bushes nasty they're just nasty quick yep you you literally buzz them off with a chainsaw in like three months they're back up yeah it's like jesus they're like gnats they had a barbecue they just don't just bought the fuck out of you you know (laughs) (laughs) so anyway i uh as i'm mowing one day like it'd be right out here in my yard where they were um there was this like giant rub on these out of miles and i'm like it's four feet from the house that was there you know there's no movement up here nobody lived here but i'm like geez you know so that was kind of like and i'd see tracks all over so i'm like i wonder how the deer movement's going to be affected when i start building so we started building in may i was here every day watching deer didn't affect them at all we were literally putting shingles on this and there was deer walking up my driveway and i'm like well they don't care you know yeah so you're gonna be you might see a hit one year if you're building or whatever you're yeah, going to yeah. do, you might see a hit one year where it's like, but eventually they're going to get used to that. And they're going to like, you see it by, you got deer eating off your hand, yeah. you know, in your, in your pool, <laughs> yeah. pretty much using your pool slide. Well, it's funny. Cause like I live in a subdivision and I have deer that come and trip all my cameras off in the middle of the night or like midday. I'll have deer come through. I had a six and a four point 
wandering through my backyard over the summer. Mm-hmm. It's funny to say, but I'll sit on my back patio and turkeys will come in and they'll get on my kid's swing set and they'll swing. Why he, are we not turkey he hunting? He told me this. And I, I have, called BS. He's like, dude, I got a turkey in my swing set. I said, no, you don't. Pictures are, it's not, it's not real. <laughs> he sends me a video of a turkey, gets up on the swing to picture a kid's swing set and it's swinging, dude. I'm Dead like, serious. you shit me. It was pretty Can we cool. hunt the turkey? Is that your <laughs> Shoot him off the swing set. <laughs> <laughs> Having a barbecue out back and turkeys coming to swing. Oh, oh, scare dude. the shit out of your neighbors. But it's, it's funny though. I literally had two turkeys on a swing. They were swinging, swinging back dude. and forth. I thought he was bullshitting me. He sent me a video. So we're having turkey camp up here, by the way. So you guys come up here. We'll have turkey camp. What? I'm having turkey camp. Oh, we'll do are it we at doing, his place. Are then. we doing oh. two turkey camps? We could yeah. do two. You want to come to my turkey camp? I'll do it. This is your four for my turkey camp. Yeah, but we got we to gotta do one up here, though, too. Michael and oh. I are already here. So. Double turkey camp. Well, I get to hunt turkeys a week or two before you guys. See, okay. No more podcast for this guy. He's done. <laughs> and no. right now I have like 10 minutes in a turkey blind and two turkeys dead yeah. with a he's bow. He's a turkey slayer, man. Yeah, we'll get him on some hard you, birds. YouTube. <clears throat> YouTube. <laughs> you want to check tape? <laughs> no, that's that's sweet, dude. I didn't realize it was only two acres. I thought it was a little bigger than that. No, no. But you didn't kill this year. You've had opportunity after opportunity this year, and you didn't fill a tag. What the hell, Rick? I got spoiled. (laughs) No. He got too picky, Yeah, that was it. I mean, basically, it is. So coming in, or, you know, the last two years leading up to this, like, I was fortunate enough where, you know, I was filled three tags each year type thing, and. Hard problem to have. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. No so it's like this year. It's like, yeah, I didn't feel a tag this year, but don't feel bad for me one bit, to, to be honest. And uh, so come into this year. Oh, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, come into this year, it was just kind of one of those things where I don't know if I was kind of making that stepping or that that stepping stone as you know as you come as you come up as a hunter, you always have that stepping stone process. I say, you know, how big a deer, how many, you know, what you're killing, and everything like that. And um, so, like, two things kind of came into play. So, my farmer, or I lease, I, I, you know, I leased that for a farm for, a, I don't know, I think about five years, and then I walked away from it for a couple. Farmer was getting more money. A couple years went by. and For the lease? Yes. So, he went, after I walked away from it, so I was paying, let's say, I was paying, let's say, for example, I was paying $20, $20 for the lease. Next guy comes in after me, he's paying $40 for the lease. So, then couple years go by the farmers basically almost in a way it almost seems like he was just like begging for me to come back just because we had a really good relationship we, we got along really good and everything type thing and the other guy walked away so i come back and i come back and pay for let's say 20 dollars again so he's losing money at that point from from what he was getting before so this year he kind of came came to me with a different approach was it almost came down to where okay you paid this much for one buck you know to kill one buck off the farm and then if you want to continue hunting, you pay another X amount. And then if you kill a second one, you pay another X amount, which basically came out to the number that the other guy was paying while I wasn't there. So in a sense... I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah I, that's kind of neat. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, it's a way for him to manage his property as yeah. well, but gives you incentive to be like, okay, there's like eight bucks on here. I'm gonna that's shoot. why you yeah. didn't shoot nothing this year. Yeah. Saving money. Yeah, well, hey, see, I mean, <laughs> he's growing up. The boy's growing up. He's like, ooh, that's expensive. Yeah. I know yeah. what it- I mean, that basically came into play as, you know, I had one buck tag is kind of what, you know, in a sense was what was kind of going through my head in a way. 
Um, you know, I had some awesome encounters on deer, you know, 120 inch deer. One that I don't know, I mean, I want to say he was four because he's year there the year before and he's just a bully, he's just a dick. He should have shot that buck. I would have yeah. shot and missed. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Rick, that's not what I hired you for, bro. Yeah. You need to kill these TV deer, bro. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's just, he's literally a rack wise, he's just a shit buck. And this buck was a stud, FYI. He wasn't. No, 110, maybe. If that. One, but we're, one, we're in Michigan. He's yeah. 120. He was a stud buck. He's a four and a half year old, 120 inch deer. You a 120 in Michigan is a stud. He's Rick. being humble because. Uh, no, but, but listen, I mean, Rick. Wakes up every morning and pisses extra. Yeah. He does. <laughs> no one can hang with his okay. stuff. So you got this, you know, 120 inch deer there. That you, a couple of them, you know, I was passing them, and uh, you know, which are great deer. Oh, don't get me wrong. For Michigan, most of every other year, I'll be okay, shooting. Okay, I'm gonna all stop you. I'm gonna stop you. For <laughs> for you to start passing up 120s in Michigan, a kudos, kudos to you. Well, see, four year old, no, three year old, he got him for He me. was a big you old know? body dude, big neck, 120. Sick yeah. footage. I'm there's like, there's one there's another there's a hundred and twenty inch eight point that I don't know. What maybe. kind of wrench do you swing? <laughs> <laughs> so there's another one like so I had that, that second week of October I had I had six bucks come out of that corn. Two of them one was the old one, one was that like the other one had a bigger rack, but it was just them two stand next to each other. It was just like he just dwarfed them. I was like, Holy cow, like like I'm sitting there thinking in my head, like I should do you know, like you need to be shot type thing and then Come, you know, putting everything into play. Like, I actually had encounters with that deer the year before, and I was seeing the same thing the year before with him, too. Um, but I had one buck in the back of my head, you know, throughout the whole season type thing, and it was kind of, it almost came down to it's like, all right, it's that buck or no buck. Because, in a sense, I was trying to play the one buck tag deal type thing. You were spent, it, it cost you more money the more bucks you killed. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Which, you know, if I'm trying to build a house, I don't want to be spending the money. And plus, I want to go Trust here. me. I know yeah. all about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, I had the one buck in the back of my head and, you know, and not to be that arrogant asshole type thing, but it's like, I've killed multiple deer that size type thing. So it's like almost in a way trying to He's make basically that... saying he's better than all of That's exactly <laughs> no, what he's saying. saying. He says the guy with three racks laying over here on the ground. <laughs> That's an anomaly. <laughs> yeah. I hit the one with the truck, found the other one dead. And the other one I just shot with a gun in both yeah. seasons. So... <laughs> Yeah. No kidding, I didn't. You can check my tag. <laughs> hey, just because I got a tag out doesn't mean he killed them. Yeah, true, true. But no, yeah. So I just kind of, you know, I got a little bit pickier this year, and you know, especially in Michigan. And I did have an, I, you know, I drove around saw one night after work, saw the buck on the field, and I said, "All right, game on," type thing. And it's funny because I was so when I I got pictures of him during the summertime, and he was pretty much <clears throat> in the wheelhouse of my normal like good spots. I call it. Well, come to find out is like, I don't know, July time frame, my main chunk loggers came in and started clogging her. Oh, really? Uh, so on your main farm? Like I, on the... On like my main spot that I tried, that I tried to hunt. Dude. <laughs> That's not that deer, but check that deer out. Okay, what wait. What was that? So I'm... Tyler just handed me his phone with a picture on it. Where is this at? He shot that buck. Which one? And it lived. Oh, is that the deadhead? That so go to the next picture. Oh, is that the one? Pull down your and neighbor? go to the next picture. It's in the rise chat. There should be two pictures back to back. No, there's not. Oh, is that the one your neighbor picked up? Or yeah, whatever? yeah. You shot this buck on your on your main farm two two years ago, two, wasn't it? Two, not three. this year, the previous year. No, so not this year. 
Not last year. I was hunting him last year, which is that picture. You 2020. Just yep. In 2020, I was hunting him. Had three, four encounters with that deer. Didn't get him killed. And he ended up being found, like, got found. But you shot him, right? The year before. You I shot, shot him in 19. And yes. he was a stud, dude. Yeah, that was. Pretty- he was that big in 19. He he has video of him shooting that deer. Yeah. Dude, this, this deer's. I, I'm just going to take a guess. He's. Got to be touching 150. Jumping up. <laughs> way, way bigger. <laughs> now, that's a modest guess. <laughs> so, yeah. We, I, I, can't, I can't see a side profile. It's just so, that on. year in 20, my farmer was, like, literally watching him out his back door almost every day. You have velvet footage of him. So much, fa- so much velvet footage. What's he in the 60s? No, he went 180 and a half. What? Okay, yeah. I got to see a side profile. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. Everybody I, listening. I, I, I'm looking at this deer face on. Dude. This deer's like literally smoking down my grill right now. So I was like, you know, I had all that summer footage, had pictures of him encountering some of my 160 inch deer. You know? The reason why I, I wouldn't say he went 180, not saying he didn't, is because he only looks like he's about 16 inches wide. I can't remember. I got, he showed not me. Not saying he was, that deer's a stud. Though. That's a big deer. I so That's I such so I got that picture sent sent to me. So like my girlfriend lives in lives in that town or anything. They smaller town. Everyone knows everyone. She got that picture sent to her. I'm like, all right, get the guy's number. I want to see this deer. I want to hold this deer. Just got said. real. Yeah, I was <laughs> right. like, you know. And uh, so I ended up getting the kid's number and everything like that. Met up with him when I, once I got back from Ohio that weekend. And uh, I held that. Deer, you know, like I, said, I had so many so much summer footage of that deer and trail, you know encounters with him. I'm like, all right, you know, he's pushing 160 probably. Which is, you know, a, a fucking stud for Michigan. And uh, when I held, when I actually held that deer, I'm like, okay. His mass has got to be better than what it looks Dude, like on that picture. It's it's ridiculous. Like, and he just, I don't know. He just so. What uh, what? Uh, how many scoreable did he have? I think it was 10, 11, 12, 13, if I remember, 13 or 14. The picture that Tyler just showed me is a great picture, but it's not a great picture to score the deer on. He's got great brows, great mass, but he doesn't look that wide. Not that wa- not that width right. Is means that the a lot. picture you saw? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That deer, if you were to look at that deer, I mean, was he 50s? You're I would thinking? say 50 or 60, judging by that photo. Did you see that one? I did. Okay. That's yeah. different. That, that deer is a... That's a diff, different species. That looks more like 170. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's all. I mean, cause, like Did I said, that kid kill that deer? No. Found it he was, dead. They was out ice, he went out ice fishing that day. They for, So I got the story. You know, I got met up with them, got a story. He's like, oh, we want to go ice fishing in this little pond. And um, so we saw that deer. I had a couple encounters with them. The you shot him in 19. Shot him in 19. Where'd you hit him at? Not a clue, dude. I so I hit a branch halfway between me and him, and deflected the arrow somewhere. We watched that footage back thousands of times, frame dude. by frame. It could not. No light and knock. He was just barely in yeah. frame. Got to shoot light and knock. Yeah, it didn't go off or something. Right? I, no, I didn't have one actually at that point because I just oh. switched arrows and for whatever reason I didn't have cheap. one. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, so <laughs> I've done it quite a few times. Yeah. So, anyways, we I, I hit that deer and um. You know, whatever, and it, yeah, it sucked. But um, so I hit him the next year. Farmer starts, you know, sees him. He's like, in 2020, yeah, last so, season. So, far, me and the farmer have a great relationship. If he sees a good deer, he's emailing me, calling me, and he tells me, dude, email like, yeah. farmer, email, oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate emails. So, he, hate he starts like buttering me up about this deer he's seen. I'm like, okay, and like, 
He's like, I, he's like, I, I've been videoing them out from behind, you know, out the back door of the house. I'm like, all right. And I come over and I'm like, oh, like, you know, he's got, you got that deer. You got another, that 12 point I killed. And like a couple other, another 120 inch eight points with them. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what's going on this year type of thing. And so anyways, yeah. And I that killed, was in what year? That was 20, 20. So last year. So I killed that. Okay. So 20, it's funny you say that. And the reason why I'm totally cutting your story off is because 2020 at my where you and i killed that turkey on the podcast check that out at the y (laughs) that year was the best year we've had for deer size wise we had a 150 on the farm we had a 140 on the farm we had a 130 on the farm like that like it was a great year for size of deer and like shooters so i don't know if it was something in the air that year or what but i don't know i've heard you know we had a pretty wet spring that year, if I remember correctly, didn't we? Shit, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Yeah, 19 so. into 2020. 20. I'm trying to think what I even did that What spring. year was it that we just got flooded out? When, that was like, 19, 19. Okay, when Midland so, got the flood, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was 19. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right, so the year before. So I had a really it? good buck year in 19. Lots okay. of big bucks in 19. You me. had a really good buck year this year. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but they say wet springs and wet summers help, you know. Antler growth. Yeah. Antler growth, but, yeah. I'm no scientist type thing, but good hydration, good yeah. deer health. So anyway, back to the story. I, I really <laughs> interrupted. All right, so you know, I had these uh, had these bucks running around, da da. Um, but I don't even know where we were at at this point with it. Uh, the kid found him ice fishing. Okay, yeah. So they went out. They went out ice fishing, and um, that's forgot. a good host. Know where yeah. we're at in the story. <laughs> yeah, and um, he uh, they forgot their their, their ice auger. So he's like, oh, I'm just gonna go walk around see if I can find some sheds, and ends up finding it. And uh, I'm just gonna walk around see if I find some sheds. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah, it's literally like it's literally like a sheep farm right there. Like, so there's a so my is um so that deer I had a couple encounters with them. Gun season rolls around. Uh, farmer saw him. I watched him end of end of November, beginning of December. I'm like, okay, so he made it through the, the worst part, you know, sure for the worst part of the season type things. So I'm like, there's a chance. And the farmer was saying, he's like, well, I think he's coming from over from this wood lot. And what he's doing is he's coming over and eating and cut corn, like, across the street from his house type thing. And he's like, I think he's coming over from the side wood lot, just only maybe two, three acres, if that. And uh, it's just, you know, I didn't really think much of it type of thing. Well, there's a creek that runs down, runs down the edge of it and then runs back to the road, goes underneath the road. So this kid found it along the creek on the other side of the road, probably maybe three, four hundred yards from that wood lot. So, theoretically, he must have been living there. He probably died, you know, judging with that, you know, somewhere between that December, <clears throat> December January time frame, because obviously he didn't, you know, still the same rack as that year. But. So, he found it. How far was it from where you shot him? Uh, from where I shot him? It you don't was, think he died from the hit that you had because he grew, he made it, it through was, the year. Yeah, it was, yep. Gotcha. Yep. So, he found out how far from where you shot him. From where I shot him the year before, it was over half a mile, probably half mile, three quarters of a mile. Was, was the deer living on the on your property? All that he was a homebody last year on really? my farm. He was a homebody on my farm. And so you think the rut took him off your farm and he got him killed? No, well, unless it was a tail under the rut, that or is just you know some freak accident type of thing. He got, he might have got hit by the car crossing the road and just made it far enough off the road where people didn't find him that hit mm-hmm. him or you know. You know, whatever messed up his hoof, got you know, or some, you know, just something stupid is what it ended up, probably ended up being why he ended up dying. Damn big deer. Yeah, I swear they get one sixty and just die. 
Yeah. I would love to see a 160 around here. Out, out yeah. in Missouri, dude, they get 160 and then they're dead. I don't understand what the heck happens, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's, but so it's funny, like that deer right there, you know, like I said, he went 180 and a half type thing. It was what the, what the kid ended Four up scoring. Four eights. Yeah. <laughs> what the kid ended up scoring him at type thing. So I had a deer that I hunted out there over five, six years ago, whatever it was, and I hunted that deer for three years, and those brow tines did the exact same kind of like they got like a fl- flame, like almost yeah. a flame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so his brow tines did the same thing, you know, freaking eight nine inch brow tines, whatever. Same type of thing. I was like, well, it has to be an off breed of that deer. Well, well, that deer ended up getting killed. It was like one seventy nine or something like that. He's so he moved to howl. He's chased yeah. a couple of really big bucks, dude. Yeah, it's crazy to think that. Like some like out of all the states I've hunted and traveled and everything like that, some of the biggest deer I've actually hunted have been here in Michigan. Which don't say that. Jeez, keep that on the down low. Yeah. <laughs> big deer here. Yeah. Good luck killing one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you got him with your cars. But... Hence why I did three of them. <laughs> well, I like, finally found a couple I could yeah. hit with the truck. Yeah. It's. I, mean, that's I don't know. It's, I, Speaking I, of big deer, though, I mean, our boy over here, Mister Tribal, was ca- oh chasing a toad Dude, this year. He did. Tyler actually was able to see him on the hoof. Holy shit, at 100 yards on the ground, walking in to hunt. I mean... He maybe it, looked 112. Maybe. He, he, he might have broke 100. <laughs> he was a big buck. That deer was a toad. What did he end up scoring? I don't know. He's a, what? I have no idea. The deer doesn't have a pulse anymore, and you don't even know what he scored? I don't know if the deer has a... The deer might have a pulse still. He got shot, but no He got recovery. shot, but no recovery. Wait a second. I saw pictures like gripping grins of the deer. Oh, you're talking about Big Tex, the ten point, different one. There was I didn't know about the other one. I was was chasing. I mean, were you keeping secrets? I was chasing three this year. I was. Did you not see the eight point? No, I didn't see no eight eight point. I thought that's what you were talking about, the eight point. So Big Tex, I don't know what he scored, but yeah, my buddy Bobby ended up shooting him. Probably he had to be one fifty, wasn't he? He had to be 150, 155 is where I'd put him at. He was right around there. He might have pushed closer to one sixties. Um, he he did have a lot of mass on him. Mainframe ten wide. Yep, and he had everything. Yes, I mean beautiful looking deer. Mother of Mary. He was actually shot maybe four hundred yards south of me, four or five hundred yards south of me. That's four football fields for the late person. And <laughs> <laughs> when Tyler and I walked out, so when he came up and filmed the one weekend when I figured we were going to shoot the eight point, mm-hmm. I actually pointed out the willow tree that that deer was shot out of. Walking out to my stand. So wait a second. When you were texting me, I can't remember. I had to go back and look at the text. You were like, hey, this deer did this. What should I do this afternoon? What, what's your thoughts? And I told you, was that the big text deer or was that the A point? That was big text. I was going to say, that's because that's the only deer I knew about. I seen him in the field that morning. I was at work. Yes. yes. I was at work scouting. And you text me <laughs> at work scouting. He was getting paid to scout. <laughs> Hopefully uh, that your boss doesn't listen to this. <laughs> he, he, he would applaud me. <laughs> so that's the perks of having a manager that's big into hunting and fishing, and my director travels out of state to hunt. So, yeah, they, they understand. <laughs> Tell so, him to listen to this podcast. I need to, <laughs> I need to get some more listeners. So, no, I, I found him. We were out cruising. And I found him in one of the bean fields. And that's when I texted you, you know, the deer did this, this, and that. And I watched right where he went in. You're like, dude, you need to go set up right now and sit. Right he's going to come Forget back. Forget about work. Going oh, I literally went to work and I 
called my boss. I said, hey, I'm clocking out. I'm going hunting. He's like, all right, sounds good. Went and grabbed, um, I think I had my climber. I went and grabbed my climber or something. Or I might have bought an XLP set like a day or two before that. I'm not 100% sure which one I sat in first. But I actually went and climbed up in the tree right where he went you in. You sat all day too. Yes, and never seen him. Well, that shows you how much I know. Ne- never seen <laughs> him. Job, but I ended up I ended up hunting a couple other couple of the next days in that same spot and seen some does and some small bucks, but never seen him again. What was that deer? That deer didn't seem like he was moving far. No. It seemed like he was very micro. He was like tight to yeah, where he, his... he wasn't traveling very far because where I was sitting, it, it was all timber where i was at and then there was a pond in the middle of the field and then on the south side there was a bean field but to the left of me there was kind of like an l where he was traveling in the the woods and i ended up pulling i ended up getting cameras of uh the big eight and east coast and i'm getting pictures of them on the cell camera so i'm like all right i don't know where texas at right now but i know that these two deer are hitting you know the beans they're in the corner i got pictures of them so i actually moved over back to where i was originally hunting at but I didn't go in the corner. I kind of went down the line a little bit. And literally, like, that next week, I got a text from my buddy Bobby. He's like, dude, I just shot big text. Because he called him Broken Horde 10 because the previous year he had broken his right side off. And Bobby has sheds for, like, the last two years. How far from where you were getting a lot of encounters and seeing him, did he kill him? Probably 250, 300 yards. To my left. I'm telling you, dude, that deer had a home range of like tiny, like, tiny home. It oh seemed like he's like, oh, see him, see him, see him. We're getting pictures of him. It's all within like every time how, the deer is texting me every day is like, I just saw him, and I'm like, what? What do you think within a 200 acre area max? I think even? I think it's 175 right there. Yeah. Why do you think it was so tight? I, I'm not 100 percent sure. He knew he was on tribal land. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the signs. He says, is this Indian land? Oh, yeah. I'm safe here. I'm staying. I'm, I'm staying. But no, you're not safe. <laughs> it's funny, though, because like I haven't seen East Coast on hoof. I've seen him in pictures. I've seen him scouting. And then Bobby texts me. He's like, I just shot. And it's funny because like every time we referred to the deer when we were texting each other, it was big horn slash big tech or broken horn 10 slash big techs. So, so we, he was seeing. So yeah, he was seeing them. I was seeing them. We were hunting on both sides. I was south end of the property. He was north end. We were bouncing, texting each other, trying to figure out where this deer exactly was moving, so one of us could get an opportunity. And he just went out on a whim later on in the evening one night and climbed up in a willow tree. And not even a half an hour, forty five minutes later, you put an arrow through him. Was he seeing the other two deer though? East coast and the yes. He, but he he was after. The 10 point. He was after Tex. That's the only deer he wanted to kill in there. He wasn't going to kill the other ones. No. Because he had has hit, he has had history with big Tex, and that was the deer that he wanted. He's got two tags. He's so, got four tags. <laughs> your, your, your buddy Bobby's like a really active deer hunter. Isn't he's, he part of? He's killed four bucks this year, I think. Who, what's the group he's a part of? Midwest Whitetail. Yeah. Great Lakes and region. He, and, he's part of oh, this, he is? and he's part of this tribe, yeah. Yeah. So what? I mean, what? He should come over here and podcast with us. Get a hold of him. Yeah. yeah, he's actually on our conservation committee too. Bobby, you need to tell him to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Bobby, <laughs> you and Mike will come over. We'll we'll grab a case of beer. We'll podcast. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear his side of the story of this deer. That's what I'm saying. That'd be yeah, cool. Exactly. I got your story. That'd be cool. I want to hear his story and kind of put the pieces together of like yeah. how this deer was living. Yeah. So 
right after he shot that deer he texted me he's like dude i think i just shot broken horn 10 big text and within like two minutes i had east coast sitting 65 yards in front of me so what's east coast what is he East Coast is Isn't a... Isn't that the stud eight point? No. He's a that, 10, right? No, East Coast is a nine. Okay, nine. He's What's, got five, five on his left, four on the right. Which is which one was uh, you and Tyler filmed on the ground the one day going in the state? That's the big eight. Big eight pointer. Yeah. So I thought you were going after Big Tex or whatever his name is. I was going after Big Tex until Big Tex got killed. And then... Don't worry, he's got three other ones. Don't worry, I got a couple more. <laughs> Jeez, oh, Pete. Yeah, so you think I was hunting good deer? Talk to this guy. I was chasing. Is there like an on ramp <laughs> we can do to get into the tribal or like what so, do we gotta? So I just go film him. Like I just sit like passenger seat. I'm like I'm just gonna film all this. <laughs> so let me pull up the video. What do I gotta eight. do? Do I gotta like? You gotta marry him. Like divorce my wife? <laughs> I would never do that yeah. ever. There's the a point. Look at that bug. So yeah. I thought that was Big Tex. No. That's the eight. Give me that. That's so we we seen him 100 yards. We were on the ground going into hunt, and he was in the corner of that field. And I was like, holy shit. Hit the deck, dude. Everybody yeah. listening to this, I'm watching this video. I've seen this video before. I thought this was a different deer. No. This deer, so this deer <laughs> is a 100 and... He's a mid-140s, at least, eight-pointer. Clean eight. Stud eight-pointer. And now, if you don't think that's a big deer... 140 inch eight pointer. Is a 130 inch eight pointer is a big, big eight pointer. Yes. yes. This deer is a Michigan deer. Central Michigan. Hey, we, let's not hey, give hey, the yeah, don't don't away. Hey, you guys are over on the East This deer is way down in Jackson County. This is in the right? UP. Hey, this hey, is hey. tribal <laughs> land. There's only so many people that can hunt this property. This deer's for sure mid 140s as an eight pointer. He's a four year old. I had six I encounters with him. Uh, yeah. Dude, he's seen him every day. Mike was texting me. Just had an encounter. It seems like, dude, like every deer that he was over there hunting, he's just like seeing almost every time he's going out there sitting. I'm like, what the heck? Does I, deer ever I leave never, that I could never get. What? I could never get them in range. Well, you're hunting field edge, though. Yeah. You had limited access. Like These deer knew how oh, they yeah. were going to be oh, yeah. stay alive. So behind me, there's a little retaining pond and maybe 15, 20 acres of woods, if even that. And that's where they all that's where all the does bedded at. So I couldn't even go in there because I'd blow them out. Oh, I may have just saw your wife naked. Oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. That, that was Mike's butt. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I was looking at other videos. No, but that's a stunt. So you want to hear the story on that one? I've got time. Let actually let's let's take a quick pee break and let's get back into that. Sounds good. For uh, station identification. We're gonna. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're hot. We're back from our little break. We, you got to have the break. I mean, you do. It just with as many beers have been tossed around this table. I mean, we're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're back. We're gonna get into Michael's story here. So let's talk about this deer. I, I thought Big Tex was the only deer you were chasing. Little did I know, eight. Miles from me, there was 18 <laughs> other giants being in chased every day. You were seeing them every day in daylight, I, f- I feel like. Yes, I was. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes. He's like, basically, I yep. was. Yep. Aaron's yep. going to be knocking on every door surrounding the property this year. <laughs> You're damn right I will be. I'll be fighting the boundary lines. <laughs> no, the um, Big 8, yeah, I had six encounters with him. So... Um, Bobby killed your buddy. Bobby killed Big Tex. Yep. Which I mean, really, really. What day did he kill that on? What was that? What day did he kill that? Do you remember? Gosh, I want to say it was like 
Oct- second week of October. October. Oh, he er- killed it early. Early October, yeah. Yeah, just I thought be- it was later. No, um, he killed. I believe he killed it like just as soon as we were coming into the rut. That would be late he, October. He was having these encounters like in the October lull, like every day. I know. Yeah, every day he was texting me. He's like, oh, what'd you see? And I'm like, oh, I saw like three does. He goes, yeah, I saw a 150 inch. Yeah. I abandoned six ship pointer immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Mike, I'm coming to fill you, film you. I don't care what I got going on. I'm driving to Mount Pleasant. He's, but it was like, it was really don't cool. Don't say though. the town. Because we were. Oh. <laughs> Cats. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, here's the catch though. It's tribal property. Only so many people can hunt it. Well, we'll see. Until they start. <laughs> Can I save the towns? Yeah. Kidding, kidding. We're going to start building fences. So, one was... How many encounters did you have with this deer, you said? Six. How close was the closest one? The closest I've gotten him into was 55 yards. So, and we were talking about your hunting field edges. I mean, the property right. that you're hunting... I know the property you're hunting them on. Because when you came up here to film, I looked at your location. You and him and I share locations. Oh, I <laughs> oh, see God. what's going on now. <laughs> I know where he's at. Stage five clinger. <laughs> <laughs> I can take you right to the stand. But, no. Well, yeah, field edges. Um, so, But you have limited access. I mean, you're hunting farm ground. Yes. You're literally hunting farm ground. Little food uh, little food pot. Little wood lots. Um so it's like luck of the draw. And the thing is, it makes it tough. And Nick, Rick, Rick Nick, and Rick. Nick, Rick and Nick, <laughs> you know, and go. you hunt it in Missouri too. So like it can get difficult because it's like you're trying to figure out where this deer's bedding or where he's hanging out. And you don't want to get too close. Mm-hmm. It's like that fine line, like how close is too close. And you guys figured that out, you and Tyler, when you went up there and were going to the stand, he was out in the field. Well, it's. We, I think we got a little late that day. And I think well, that it's was, his fault because was, he drove from Clio. I'm not going to blame him, hey, though. Cats out of the bag. You said where I live. <laughs> oh, there's not. There's no big deer there, so. Good luck over at Clio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll hear 10 gunshots by 10, 10 a.m. on opening day. Yikes. Um, but, no, yeah, we. I had six encounters with him. Tyler came up the one day, and literally we got, like, 100 yards into the field, and he popped out of the corner. And that's the first time I've seen him come from that corner. Usually he comes from the south end, and I can get him to work up to the north. I've brought him in on rattle. I've rattled him in multiple times. Where was he bedding? He was bedding on the south end. On this farm or on the neighbors? He was bedding on, on the, the farm. farm. And you couldn't get any closer? Every time I seen him, he'd come from the south end. He'd work right to the north, but he always stayed a distance from me. I had him at 55 yards was the closest I got him, but... In order to take that shot, it would I probably wouldn't have been able to make a lethal shot on it. Quartering him. two, it was like coming right at Quartering him. two, I had I'm you know, I was kinda of leaning off and brushing in front of me and everything. Why didn't you try to push in at all? To where he was betting. If I, you knew where he was betting. I thought about it, but I didn't know if I wanted to get too aggressive with him or not, just because of the fact of I kept drawing him my way. We're hunting Michigan. My, my phone yeah. is going crazy right now. I don't know what the hell. And not to mention like where he was coming out of, he would come out of somewhere different like you yes. come out on the right and then the left, left and the center and like where mike was on the opposite side of the field he would always like end up 50 60 yards from mike i'm like dude you're in the chips it's just gonna take I'm him right to get there. close enough he just gotta take a couple more steps closer what is this field consist of beans. what's in it beans with like syrup. clean beans or dirty, no, beans? dirty beans dirty beans they're all organic oh, okay yeah. so there's weeds all weeds. oh yes but they're still hitting the heck out of them so uh, for sure but but what i'm thinking is did it ever cross your mind to sit in the beans? Tyler's brought that up a couple times. I never so did. Dude, sit right in those beans and sit kill them. right in the middle of them. 
We almost did on accident the one day. Yes. <laughs> we were screwed when he was standing I'm in not the even saying pop-up. I'm just saying go post up in the middle of the beans. Go, yeah, go sit right in the middle. But take, you, take a goose blind. You probably had it in the back of your head trying to film it too, though, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Well, see, and that that's where the rise comes in. That's, that's where right. that's why there. the rise yeah. saves deer. I that's made the rise available. TV, YouTube, Carbon TV, whatever you want to call it. I can't say Carbon on this show. Waypoint TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the rise I'm saves not... deer because we have to. You have to film all this stuff. Yes, it's Tyler's fault. <laughs> we'll blame Tyler for this. Because one. you need segment three to be cool. But if I came to film, I said, "Mike, do you?" Hey, I'm here. You, you filmed the one, <laughs> time, one time. One out time. Out of six encounters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny. So the last encounter I had of him, he skirted out probably 110, 115 yards. And not even five minutes, he went into the woods. I heard a gunshot go off. Uh, and our grounds crew. When you're bow hunting? Yes. They they can gun hunt as of that date. As of the was. date. they were. It was actually Michigan opening day. November 15th. It was November 15th that evening. You were, I had, had him on the south end of the field. Why didn't you have field. a gun? I did. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, I'm <laughs> mixed up. I'm confused. <laughs> The day you came up, We've you couldn't gun hunt. Question. Right. When I came up, it was late, like middle October. Yes. Middle we, had, October. we had an encounter. And then that day was November 15th. Yeah. The last time I seen him was November 15th. Oh. Bad had a day. gun. Bad day. Was being cheap again. Didn't, didn't have buy a, a scope. Didn't have a scope on his gun. I was gun. like, I can shoot 50 yards. He was open thing. sight. <laughs> I, mean, I can shoot 50 yards dead what? on with this okay. thing. 50, 60 Podcast yards. Podcast is over. You're done. <laughs> Hey, what? I'm not a gun hunter, okay? I don't care if you're a crossbow hunter. You got a scope on it. <laughs> like it, I was being cheap. No, no, no. Let's not get into the cheap deal here. All right. What were you shooting? 450 Bushmaster. And you had iron sights? That's right. And that buck's at like 60, 70 yards. I he think at, the he, tribal he conservation group should take okay. his hunting privileges away. <laughs> they need a tribe hunting education course. <laughs> Dude, what are uh, you doing? How many people you know that use a shotgun with open sights? N- you, no that's it. I know about 10. No. That's hey, not normal. Better question is... They're Mike. called scatter guns for upland or waterfall. <laughs> I could tell you a story, but I'm not going to. Better no, question is, Mike, that. how many guys here could you ask to borrow a gun with a scope on it? One that's eight minutes away. <laughs> One that never answers my phone calls. Aaron Blasey. Oh, jeez. <laughs> here we go. Aaron I got was, guns, Aaron was bro. too busy out trying to kill his own deer this year. It's like I was done November third. So anyway, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> he skirts by over, just a little over a hundred yards. Ends up in the woods, and five minutes later, I hear a gunshot go off. I instantly knew it was him that was shot. Well, our grounds crew for the casino, because I worked for the casino, so I was able to talk to our grounds crew, and they knew I was hunting there. And my buddy Jeff's dad ended up telling me that. The guy came over and seen them at the dump because the woods is kind of where like the casino dumps like all the brush and leaves and everything from fall, spring cleanups. Do you want to say all this on the podcast? It, it really don't matter. It's all <laughs> okay. travel property. Okay. And um, come to find out, the guy shot that eight point, but they lost blood and never found him. Still to this day, I don't know if he's recovered. So he or not. did get shot. He got shot, but they lost blood. So I don't know if they made a bad shot on him or what. I mean, chances are he could still be alive. 
But you haven't had any pictures or sightings of upsets. No pictures, no sightings. But I know that there's been people that have walked the property that he was shot on and the property next to it, and no one's found him. So here's a question. Tribal land, could we go out there walking with you? Yes, you could. Yeah. So we're doing a serious We'll go look search. for him. As, yeah. lo- as long as I'm with you guys, we can go do a grid okay. search on I say we do a, I say we do a shed hunt. Right now? Yeah. Let's do it. No, well, not right now. No. I mean, it'd be not really right difficult now. for us. It's and there's quite a bit of snow on <laughs> As soon as the snow does melt and everything, I do plan on, you know, getting boots on the ground and going out shed hunting for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm... Deadhead hunting, we call that. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that he's still God, alive. God, that smells good. I would, I would like to see him go another year. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, can you guys, you guys can bait on tribal ground, you Correct. said. Yeah. Yep. Are you putting bait out yet? I had bait out. I had cameras running. but Just to see if he'd jump back up. Wasn't getting anything. So I, I I literally just pulled my cameras a couple weeks ago. So theoretically, he's probably dead. We just got to go find him. That's what I'm thinking. It's or, either, or he moved to another property and yeah. he's hanging somewhere else on the property. Except that that deer, I the deer I shot in 2019, I never had anything of him after that, and then he showed back up in 20. So you never know. I mean, imagine one more year that deer growing. Deer's in the he might touch 160. If he grows fours, he's definitely in the 160s. Yeah. And then East Coast, I know he's still alive. Yeah. Good. We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you got we got to go over and do some grid searching. We can do it. We got to find that deer. I mean, even just to have the closure, if you do find him as a deadhead. Yeah, I mean, I mean just exactly. to figure out, and yeah. I'm sure the guy that shot him wants to know too. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like when that that kid find that or find that one this year for me. Just having the closure, I was like, oh, all right. Well, at least I now now I know. You know, well, it's, you know, I was just like when I Bob, wish it would have been me that found it. Right when Bobby shot big text, I helped him track and drag. I mean, that's Look. even closure for me because I was hunting that deer. Yeah, I mean, it sucks, but you're still going to go shake the right. guy's hand and say congratulations. Exactly. You know, and everything like that. Let's talk about that. When a neighbor or somebody shoots a buck, uh, Bobby's your buddy, so, yep. I mean, you're happy for him. But, like, is there a little part of you that's like, what the hell? No. There's always there's always always as going to be because, I mean, it's a deer. Let's say it's a deer you've been hunting for three years or two years or hunting your butt off for. No doubt about it. You're always going to have that sting. People won't admit it, but you're always going to have that sting where it's like, what the hell, dude? You know, or, Even like, if you were to kill, it's like, yeah. man, that, that, like Someone when I killed you. Super 6, I call him Super 6 here at the house, it's like, I've watched him for two years. It's like, a little bit of him, he's like, man, I wish he was around next year yeah. just to see what he's doing. And yeah. just you like, get pictures right. of him, you yeah. watch him, and all of a sudden the pictures stop. It's and like, you're like, what the heck? I killed him. I killed him. Yikes. So <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is like, when I was younger and and a little asshole, I still probably am an asshole. I but say, what, I don't think that changed. She's <laughs> well, cats out of the bag. Bro. Well, this podcast is over again. <laughs> Let's turn Mike's uh, uh, mic off there. Yeah, <laughs> mic number four is going to be going off. Eject. <laughs> no, I, there's times where it's like the neighbor kills a buck and it's like, God. You chaps know, your asshole. Uh, yeah, yeah, chaps yeah, your ass. You're like, for sure. one, That's my deer. Because yeah. trail cams make. You know, fake deer, your deer. You own deer, you know? Yeah, you own them. Yeah, I got the pictures. Yeah, I got the pictures. He's living on me. I've had three daylight pictures. You've only had one, so he's my deer. But I think I almost feel like that's just like human nature, though, in in a way. But it just really depends on when you come out of it, how you handle it, type thing is. 
like I said, I've had multiple, you know, every, oh, I'm sure all of us neighbors have killed our deer type thing. Killed our deer, not our deer, but, you know. See, yeah. see Nick claims <laughs> yeah. every deer. He's like, my deer. I mean, but, everyone's deer. But, the, you know, <laughs> the way I look at it is like, I just want to see the deer and I want to hold the deer. That's it. I'll shake your hand and congratulate you, even though deep down inside, I'm like, God damn, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Nick wants to throw a right hook. Oh, but, funny. you know, it, it, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's human nature and it. You know, yeah, it, it just. It I just sucks. don't. Me personally, I just don't want to wonder: is that deer still alive? Oh, I'd rather exactly. You rather, rather want to know? I just want to know if it, is he dead? Cool, congratulations. Well, the way I take it too is like when neighbors kill deer, or uh, you know, part of your group kills a deer. Like, I want to hold him. I want to know, like, okay, I have all these pictures of him. I thought he was. I'm just saying, four years old, and I thought he was 135 inches. What is he really in? What is he really? Right. You know what I mean? And where did you kill him and what was he doing? I want to know. What's the Why? story? What? Because that tells you pieces of the puzzle that you may never have had. That's it. I did a podcast with a guy. And now <laughs> I can't remember his name. <laughs> this was a while ago. But we were talking about, he's a big trail cam guy. And we were talking about, you know, where you get pictures of deer. But he goes off where I don't get pictures of deer. That's good intel, too. Mm-hmm. He's like, that is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than where I get pictures of the deer. Hell yeah. Because you know what? I know he's not there. Yep. Well, that's what I'm thinking anyway, he says. And I'm like, I never thought of it that way. Picture it's a like, map, and you had a red marker and a green marker. and A heat he, map. Yeah, heat map. I mean, here's where he's not. Here's where he is. Well, you can figure out where he's at real quick. He killed a couple bucks because he knew where they weren't. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm like... That's a that's a different way of thinking. Oh, 100%. That's you know. pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, so, for example, with that, that deer that, that the kid found this year of mine, or not mine, but whatever. See? <laughs> yeah. See? Nick's but got all the big names tagged on him. So, when, I was, I was kind of exchanging, you know, exchanged messages with him, and he uh, he's like, he's like, I think my buddy found the shed from the year before. I was like, really? You know, he sent me the picture. I'm like, yeah, that's that's him. The year, the year I shot him. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely, it has to be him, you know, type thing. And it's like, where do you find that at? You know, because, so my farm, all the deer for the last few years, is pretty much, as soon as winter comes around, they're just gone. There ain't no deer anywhere around that farm during the wintertime. So I'm like, trying to figure out where all these deer go during the wintertime type thing. And so now I got a pretty good idea because that other, that other giant one I was chasing years back type thing. I heard someone found a shed over in this area too, and it, happened to be about the same area too so now i got a little bit better idea on where these deer are actually going during the winter time it's like not that i can hunt down there or anything like that but he's still just like trying to figure out you want to know yeah where do they where do these things go and what it you know what they do and i mean that deer the, the one years back that one once he got killed at Kim or that deer was just covering some serious ground where people were having pictures five miles away at least and everyone had pictures that deer seemed like and um but it's just you know it's kind of cool just to put put those little bit of pieces of the puzzle together once you know everything surfaces up. Yeah, and and in farm country, especially around here, when I'm used to deer travel farther from me in the winter. Um, we've been talking about. It. I just pulled my cell cams. I just pulled my renders, my excess renders the other day because I wasn't getting pictures. Yeah, I'm, they're gone. Every year since 2016 that I've been hunting this farm is like when crops are gone and the winter hits. They're gone. No, food. I don't. I don't see a deer. Yeah. I don't. I don't see a physical deer. Exactly. And I don't want to let my secrets out, but 
<clears throat> I found out where a lot of them hurt up. And the reason being is because I may or may not have a snowmobile that I travel around in. And I just, I want to know where they're going. Or even around, like, I'm sure it's probably the same around here as it is back home. You know, it's basically, you got road going miles, but, you know, you got mile blocks. And you yep. can just start driving them, driving them. That's, you know, where I shed hunt. I'm 10 miles south of my farm, but you'll go there during the wintertime this time of year, and there'll be three to 500 deer out in that area. Well, it's not hard to drive around, too, it, it, you know, right at dusk and just see where there's a group of deer in a field. Yeah, it's like, right. okay, well, there's 60 deer in that field. Why isn't there... And it's two miles from my house. Okay, they're they're traveling. It's what you, here. What right. do you notice though when you see that? Where you find the deer during the wintertime, what do you notice over there versus here? <clears throat> food. <clears throat> well, no, food for one thing, but thermal cover. That's what I notice more. There's that? more cover there than there is than I have here. Do you see any terrain change? Um not drastic. Not like well, uh, flatter from here and then like <laughs> mountains over there no but i mean you get let's say you get a, a hillside that may be a 50 foot difference yeah 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 I, I i actually i do see that and more south facing slopes yep Maybe. and i don't have any i mean we're flat here you could see your right. dog run away for two days stand in a beer can see him run for another one yeah, you know that's... and it's like but when you go a couple miles south here it does get a little hillier yep. there's and when i mean hillier it may only be a 50-foot tall hill. But you might be able it. to jump your pedal bike on it, but it's south-facing, and it's yeah. no pressure. That's that's the same with my farm. It's like I said, you won't find a deer within five miles of that place. This, I mean, for some reason, this, this year, there's actually some deer still hanging out there, but it's because I think it's because they've been doing, you know, the two, two woodlots now have been, they've gone through and done the logging where it's getting a little bit thicker cover mm-hmm. for them. But like I said, where I shed hunt, you know, it's about five to ten miles south or, you know, somewhere in that time range, and... There's just that slightest, slightest bit of terrain change over there, and I'll, I'll, I can drive around that block and see five to three, you know, three to five hundred deer out there during the wintertime this time of year. Just the slightest bit of change. That's all it is. Just crazy. You would never think for that. Tyler and I had this conversation the other day. I was pulling my cameras that day. He called me. As, he's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm pulling out of the field. I'm t- pulling a camera down." I said, "I said." He goes, you need to tell the farmer to leave some crops. <laughs> and then I went down that song and dance why I don't leave crops. But anyway. He tells um, me that every year too. Yeah. Well, we won't get into that, why he leaves them. <laughs> but uh, I said, honestly, food would be great, but I would rather enough? have thermal cover here. If I had it my way here where my house is at, I would retransplant as many pines as mm-hmm. I could in a field because the thing is a deer, 40% of their diet is woody browse. Woody yeah. browse. Yep. They can eat anything. For sure. But we get the picture of like leave corn standing, leave beans standing. That's great. That's Don't not, wrong. That's not the majority of their diet though. That's the thing. Like deer live in these desolate areas that are like they're figuring out how to survive. Yep. I want thermal cover. I want deer. I want a 40 acre patch of pines that they can go in and i can rabbit hunt and they can feel safe in and they can feel warm in and mm. they can just sit there you That's know what, i mean honestly if you had let's say you had five acres standing corn here do you still think that the deer would stay here well that's the thing i've got a 20 acre patch of corn that is cut but not cut very well uh-huh. that is not very far from my house i haven't seen a deer in it yeah 
that, that and you're telling cool. me that there's no kernels on the ground over there? It looked like he did it with a gleaner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just spraying Freaking gleaner. Yeah. <laughs> Word class bow hunter uh, yeah. reference there. That was a good reference right there. Yeah. It looks so, like somebody came through with a gleaner and just started spraying shit everywhere. Right, right off the back end. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's what I mean. Obviously, food definitely helps for, you know, come late season. But covers get overtake everything at that point, I feel like. I want cover here because... You, in this mile section right here, there is not one piece of thermal cover. It is all mature woods, nothing. You go, you go to the, yeah, and you go to the mile section to the west of me, a little bit of thermal cover, not much. And then you go to the mile section east of me, no thermal cover. Yep. Like that's a big section. That's three mile section. Yeah. Okay. So you got, you're, you're kind of the same as me. So it's big fields. You, let's say you got a five to 10 acre woodlot. Okay, across that wind, let's say the wind speed's five mile an hour. By the time it comes across some fields, what is it actually? You know, you're looking at 15, 20 mile an hour wind. So, and when we can see hard yards through the woods, what do you think them deer are doing? They're just getting pounded. They're not going to sit here. Yeah, they're just getting pounded Mm -hmm. by that wind. And that's why I feel like, you know, for the most part, when it starts coming this late season like that, they're going to go somewhere where they can get blocked out that wind a lot better. And I mean, for example, the one that, like, you go back to thermal cover with pine trees, one of the best. Best shed hunting seasons I ever had in Michigan. I hunted, or it was a Christmas tree farm. Went out there and we found 10 sheds in a day in Michigan, which is pretty well unheard of. That's crazy. Yeah, which is pretty well unheard of. I've never, I've, I've covered, you know, like 60, 70 miles in a year since then. And I, you know, I'm lucky to find that within 60, 70 miles. And I was finding that many on one chunk just because it was all the pine tree thermal cover that was in there. See, what's crazy is out in Missouri, they cut those cedars down. They want natural, you know what I mean. But in Missouri, you had that little bit of terrain. Difference. You got the you got the hills, so like the cedars aren't as important. Yeah, Where it's can, flat, you need cedars. To, I'm flat. He's even flatter. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When Michael's flat, I'm flat too. There's there's no terrain change by you guys. Well, I mean, come on, <laughs> we're hunting. No, there's no terrain change at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's. Just the slightest little bit makes a huge difference. I mean, if they can just get tucked down and, and something and be blocked from that wind. Like, you no, know, Missouri, like where we were hunting Missouri there, yeah. Tyler, is, it's not huge, but it's just enough rolling hill for them where they can get, you know, get, get on, on the one wind. side of the hill and blocked out of the wind. And I feel like that's for the sure. biggest thing from, you know, during this time of year is just being blocked from that cold wind. And that's why I would just like to have a good stand of pines. Or cedars or hemlocks, but pines are easier to transplant and plant. Right, right. they're fast growing and mm-hmm. cheap. Well, in your sense, <laughs> come on. Tyler's <laughs> got money trees down how in his big, place. How, how big so of a pine tree you want? How many you got? I can get them for like twenty five, thirty bucks. Well, I want ones that are established already. Oh, yeah. He wants like them six, eight foot tall ones already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ones that I don't have to wait 30 years for we, years. We don't, them. we don't have Aaron's money to do that. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> no, it's, that's, uh, I guess that would be my biggest change if I had Mark Zuckerberg money and I could, you know, do Ooh. whatever and take 40 acres i'd transplant I would, I would go get six eight foot tall pine trees and i'd make a tree farm out of it yeah so i mean let's say you had theoretically let's say you had a five acre point or a chunk of property something like that would you do five acres of food or would you do five acres of thermal or like your cover i've thought about this i lay yeah. awake at night thinking about this yeah, like yeah, if i had yeah, it I my know. cake and eat it too what would i do um you know it's 
it's honestly going to go all around access. Whatever I can do with multiple different points of access. Like yeah. that's what makes if there's one thing that makes the the one acre shitty is cuz I only can access it from one way. It's terrible, you know. Uh if I could access it from three different ways it'd be a little different. If I could access it from a certain direction, I won't say it on here. I, I, it'd be pretty deadly. Yeah, uh, if it was thicker cover, you'd probably be able to access it a little bit better, though, wouldn't you? Touche. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, here, I, I visualize what I have right here. If I could make, you know, if I could make a couple rows of pines with a trail down it where I could get down it. <laughs> right. Where it's like, <laughs> you know. A couple rows of standing corn. Yeah, man. you know, yeah. just, well. That's money. <laughs> You're just being cheap. And it's something I got to do every year then. I don't want something I can Switch plant grass, or forget it. Sorghum, something tall, pine I, trees. I squeak when I walk. So I know you do. Yeah, that's always a question I ask, <laughs> that I always ask myself too. You know, it's like, so I grant, so like my two acres that I got, there's plenty of cover around that area where, you know, like tall, like, you know, grasses and everything like that. And for me, it was not necessarily, okay, I need more cover. I only have two acres. Some deer, and with the house there, you're looking at maybe a half acre after that. Them deer ain't going to be bedding on that half acre with mm-hmm. the house right there. So nope. they're going to be bedding on the neighboring property. So, I, you know, for for me there, for example, it's like, okay, I need food. I need to give them a reason to come there. And that's my whole philosophy with the one acre is that I'm trying to make it appealing for the does to be there and the rut. And then I just have to be there to capitalize. That's it. I'm not trying to hold bucks because I know I can't hold bucks. I'm trying to make it appealing to where does will come in the one acre and they'll bed. They'll want to put the restaurants there. They want there's a little bit of food in there. I'm gonna ma- I want to make the food pot a little bigger, um, just to give a little bit more food, yeah. a little more variety, and the bucks will end up being there. And that's how I'm gonna hunt them. And it's it's worked. I haven't killed one in the one acre yet. But it's worked in the fact of, like, if I was here in Michigan hunting at the time, would I have sat in that stand? I don't know. Who knows? They've been in there, though. Yeah. There's been plenty of opportunities with good, solid shooter bucks in daylight if I was just in the stand and not somewhere else filming or hunting. So It could happen. You'll kill one out of there, I would say. Yeah. It might be a 10-year plan, but... Happen about the same time your trees are done growing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> every, every year you do something a little bit different. You're just that much a little bit closer. Hopefully. Yep. For sure. This has been good, fellas. Uh, we're getting we're getting up on time. I was gonna get to Tyler Bundy or whatever your name is. Taylor Bundy. Taylor Bundy. Yeah. I don't know all your guys' aliases, <laughs> but uh, this has been good, fellas. I appreciate you guys coming up here and bearing the elements to get up here and come to the studio and and record for sure oh, man I'll michael michael's got a long way to go so i'm gonna be able to ride my pedal bike back <laughs> <laughs> his segue no i appreciate you guys doing this is there anything close any closing thoughts or any closing oh, you know we jumped around so much that <laughs> i love that though yeah. i love jumping around you know just give a shout out to alex nadalski and <laughs> apolo- apologies to my boy who we made a super last minute plan to come up here and he probably feels neglected so alex you just come on up find some time come on up and uh you and i'll record just you and i for sure we'll have to bring michael in though because he's so me. close my wife will make dinner there you go (laughs) i appreciate you guys coming up and you know thank you to everybody out there for downloading supporting the fall podcast it's 
been truly awesome. The growth that you guys have uh, definitely shown the podcast and the numbers have been awesome the last couple years, and it's been it's been on the steady. Uh, I was gonna say decline. It's actually on the incline. That's <laughs> that's one too many beers it's right there. Decline, guys. <laughs> no, I appreciate everything you guys do. Please go to iTunes and leave a five star rating and a written review. Also, go to Spotify if you listen on Spotify, or even if you don't, they have a, a rating system now. Go in there and leave a five star rating also. So. Thank you guys very much, and uh, don't forget we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. And there you have it. Thank you guys very much for making the trip up here. Greatly appreciate it. And Michael, he only lives like eight minutes from me, so he'll be on a couple more of these for sure. I mean, it's it's easy for him to come over and record, so um, it's pretty cool. So thank you guys very much for all the support and everything. I'm going to say it again. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review. And don't forget, we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.